Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. That. <laughs> <laughs> oh live. wait, I know why. Yeah, we'll do it live. I know why I can't start. I don't have a, a holes in my mouth. I like to keep my shit fresh. Monty hole. Let's <laughs> make a deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I can already feel it working through me. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics podcast. It's Wednesday, June fifteenth, twenty twenty-two. Uh, you're listening to episode number 551. I am your host, Steve Say, and this week I am joined by only Mr. Bob Ryer. Hey, um, how do you throw a broken garbage pail in the garbage? Just asking for a friend. Yo, okay, we will come back to that right <laughs> after I also say that John is here. Woo-hoo! Is it made out of metal? Because then you get a blowtorch. Plastic. Now you can still use a blowtorch, just cut it in half. <laughs> I think... This is a legitimate question. About two weeks ago, I well, okay. When Bronwyn was out of the house and she was in California, I cleaned the house like crazy, and we wound up with a lot of like extra junk. And I had like two recycling bin things that we no longer needed. Recycling bin containers. I wanted to recycle them. <laughs> yes, but how do you put out on the curb your recycling for the week? Exactly when it's the all bin. recycling bins, and that's what you're trying to recycle. It was the most confusing thing in the world. I was like paralyzed. I'm like, what do I do? You got to take them to your city, wherever your city does the recycling, and drop them off. Oh, that's I, that's at the Steve. You know the Brookhaven landfill. That's where I'd have to go. Yes. It's a giant mountain of garbage about 10 miles east of oh, it. Yeah. Mount Trashmore. Oh, we yeah. have all over yep. the place. Um, <laughs> I mean, right now, my garbage pail from the kitchen is sitting in the recyclable plastic bin outside for tomorrow morning's garbage. And it just doesn't seem right. I, so I had to ask you professionals. You can put a note on it. Say, please take. Please take my garbage pail. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I live in I Iowa. Know. We're nice in Iowa. We just put notes on our garbage and they take it. <laughs> <laughs> I am now having flashbacks to that dumping site, Bob. I went in there to do like a junk exchange oh. uh, with somebody once and just remember driving through and unloading everything and, and doing that stuff. Yeah, it was, uh, the place was a trip. And, and John, to, as, as, as a non-Long Islander, it is about four miles from the Brookhaven National Atomic Labs. Yeah. So who knows what's going on? The Toxic Avenger is growing in that trash pot. <laughs> the rats are, are ingesting all that radioactivity. Oh, yeah. It'll be Night of the Lepus, but with rats somewhere <laughs> down the road. You know, every couple of weeks something comes up and I'm reminded that that Toxic Avenger movie with Peter Dinklage is a very real thing that I think has already been filmed. Really? 
And I, Ooh. oh yeah, I am so curious and excited to see what that's all about. I hope it's, I hope it's cool. I hope it's really cool. He usually doesn't get involved in things mm-hmm. that don't have like some good ideas or aren't of some kind of quality. So what does a Peter Dinklage approved toxic Avenger movie look like? Let's say 2023, this movie comes out. Is it still trauma and Lloyd Kaufman? I think they're involved, but not, not in the capacity. Like they're not at the top of the food chain. They're definitely like, I guess licensing some rights. They're making or some money like off that. of it. I, I, well, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Look, Kaufman loves to make money. There's no question about that. Now, did you ever meet him? I Bob? had the chance, but oh boy, when I was managing 112 Video, a, a, a local filmmaker, though he actually was from Germany but spent his time here, wanted to shoot in our video store. Made a movie called Nikos the Impaler. Which is out of print and is it's on it's on still on DVD and you can find cheaper copies around and it's actually extras one of the extras is a night at the video store and oh. the only person not invited was me strangely what? yeah I, yeah uh, Lloyd Calvin was there Debbie Rashawn he we they set up a whole display of trauma movies so he was in the back it's like okay. And it's a terrible movie, don't get me wrong, but it's a lot of fun in its own dopey trauma kind of way, even it's not a trauma film. I came in the next morning and was just going to dump the garbage and reached into the garbage and 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 my hands were covered in blood. Uh, they had murdered in my store, decapitated, macheted, five or six people, including Debbie Rashawn, the scream queen from the 80s and 90s, and the outfit she wore was like thrown into my garbage pail and just left there, which I then touched. There was fake blood <laughs> in all the grout in my computers. It's like, what the hell happened here? Oh. They left that all for you to clean up? Yep. Yep. That is so rude. Yes, it was. Bad. That was not good. But it's it's a... Wow. It's... Uh, so I nearly met Lloyd Kaufman. I I, I I certainly shared fingerprints with him on Debbie Rashawn's bloody cat suit. <laughs> Debbie Rashawn's bloody cat, cat suit. suit. There's our episode let's, title. <laughs> let's all remember that, please. <laughs> oh my god. Um <laughs> Okay. Let's this is talking comics, Joe, yes, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Joey's not here this week. He's got a workplace event. Uh, and Aaron is chilling for tonight after a very long day. Uh, love you both. Love. And uh, can't wait for yep. you to come back to the show, which will be next week. But who won't be here? I what? will not be here. That's right. Hmm. We're rocking out. So, I'll, yeah, oh, well, here. Here's the thing about rocking out. Let me. This is where my, my confession uh, in the oh, uh, nice segue, notes John. comes in. Oh, I do yes. what I can. <laughs> so <laughs> I had an opportunity to go to a concert this Saturday. Um, I was going by myself, which I don't love. And it was in Toronto. So it would have been a two hour drive, like 200 plus something kilometers there and back. Aren't you Canadian so, kilometers? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so, gas, my, my gas tank is empty. So 
like I wait until the last possible, like the last thirty-five gallons or so to uh, or or liters. What is your what is to, your what is your gas per gallon in Canada? I just want. To I ask. don't know. We're not getting into that. Okay. Part. Okay. Anyway, my point being, it's like seventy dollars to fill the gas tank Woo! just to go there and back uh, into the city. So that was one. Yeah. Two and and the most important one is that we're still in a pandemic, regardless of what's going on elsewhere. I'm still wearing my mask everywhere I go. Amen. And I made a promise to myself that I was supposed to be choosy about the concerts that I go to because we're still in this thing and I need to be careful. I'm immunocompromised as hell and I need to watch my health. I have two shows coming up next week. The Monday that I'm not going to be here, I'm going to see Purity Ring in Toronto. Got to do that one. Yeah. Yeah. At the Phoenix. So this Saturday, I was supposed to go and see Polisa, who I love and wanted to see, and it would have been very cool. But like between the expense to get in, the expense to to park at the garage, going to the merch booth, which I always do, and buy you know vinyl shirts, whatever, and and support them. Um, I my confession is this: I think that I might be at the point in my life where. I do need to pick and choose which shows I go to because I don't know if I'm that person anymore who just gets in the car and goes and drives to wow. the city. Uh-huh, Steve, join us on the couch. Yeah. <gasps> Dude, you want to know what I did DVD instead? Come out. Yeah, we can live stream it. Yeah. Bronwyn, Bronwyn was watching. We watched all eight episodes of this Netflix series called First Kill. It's a it's a YA lesbian vampire and hunters <laughs> story, and it's YA as hell. And it was on a scale of one to ten, I would probably give it a five, and then maybe a six, just for like the oh my god, what am I watching? Factor of it's not good. How many? It's not, how, it's not, yeah, but how many extra points would you give it for watching with Bronwyn sitting next to you? Uh, look, I admittedly. I had fun because I was with my favorite person in the world and um, ticket was only 25 bucks, but I, I skipped it because I have two shows coming up. Like I said, purity ring on Monday. And then that, that Sunday I'm going to see failure. And that is my Uh, second favorite band of the whole world. So that's a definite. And then after that, I'm going to chill for a little while. I have tickets for other shows too. But anyway, but I'm going to say a purity, I did the math. a purity ring, you're going to be wearing a hazmat suit to make sure you get to failures <laughs> next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be super careful. Yeah. I, we've got really good masks in the house and I just, uh, you know, but anyway, my point, my point being is that I, I found myself standing at a crossroads on Saturday night and I was like, you need to make a decision. <laughs> like, what is more important that you you live in the moment of this show or that you take care of your health and store, you know, your good you you don't burn one of your concert cards, one of your COVID concert cards for this instead of that, because you've got two other amazing shows coming up. And we're going to see Pussifer on July first, which is a band that we've wanted to see ever since we've been together. So anyway. I think priorities. you passed your concert bar mitzvah. Yeah. You, today you are um, a man. That's <laughs> so. Okay, Pride. Um, obviously DC's Pride 22, uh, 2022. Number one. I don't even know if that's the real title. Um, it came out. We all read it. However, 
we are going to, because it is Pride Month, not Pride Week, we are going to save the conversation until we have more people here. We're going to have kind of uh, the whole crew, I think, and maybe a special guest, something like that. Um, Anyway, we're going to, we had a whole thing planned for tonight, best laid plans, and then uh, everything kind of went up in flames. But for you, we're, we're going to, we're going to soldier on. I'm going to edit that part out. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm going to keep it. No, I don't know. I lost my gone off a glee. That's right. No editing this week. Let's just go. Yeah. All right. I lost my train of thought for a second. I spaced out. <laughs> I was thinking about the concerts. and just like, Oh God, there's a lot of time. Anyway. Uh, ba, ba, ba. I think that's it. Oh, I think that's all I got. I Good night. Let, let's, oh, 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 yeah. oh, I thought we were done. It's over. Yay. All right. Uh, uh, I'm going to go. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to go tonight. Uh, okay. <laughs> Get ready. Oh. Trigger warnings. Yay. Oh, trigger warnings. Um, the panic. Okay. Both. Uh, I should say this at the top. Two of the comics that I'm going to talk about are Comixology originals. So you can read the next two comics I talk about for free or whatever you consider to be free when there is a entry fee for Comixology Unlimited. But these are on there. Uh, I highly recommend them. Here we go. The Panic, numbers one and two. Scripts and Letters by Neil Clyde and Interiors by Andrea Moody. Uh, Moody did art for Point of Earth that I believe Sarah talked about when she was on the show, uh, Batman Eternal, and One Month to Live, which I also think Sarah talked about on the show. I don't know. I think I think we all read that at some point. Um, anyway, the panic takes place in New York City and is set near the pandemic's start. Two 20-somethings are riding the subway to a Black Lives Matter protest when the train suddenly goes off the tracks and becomes a tangled mess underground. Seemingly, only 10 people survive the crash. And because this is New York City, it's a diverse group of people trapped alongside one another. We have our main character, one of the young activists. We have a hysterical child who just lost both of his parents. We have a take-no-shit trans woman who begins formulating a plan to escape. We have a hemophobic medical student who faints at the sight of blood. You have a cop. And you have a Trump supporter complete with a MAGA hat and more. That's New York. <laughs> yep. yep. There's no cell signal underground and it's been hours and no one has come to help them escape. They will have to work together or die trying to get out alive. Okay. In case I haven't pulled you into this story yet, I'll mention that after the passengers that survive make their introductions – The group notices that one of the survivors has no visible damage from the accident, so there are no cuts, there are no scratches, and no one remembers seeing them on the train before it crashed. Who are they? When did they arrive? What the hell is going on? It is officially time to panic. Uh, I dig the way that this story moves. It's very fast-paced and layered with paranoia and mystery in really exciting ways. Um, some messed up stuff happens in the hours after the crash, and I still have no idea what's going on above ground. Like, why has no one come to rescue them? Where are all the people? What caused the crash? 
I have so many questions. Uh, I like the art in the series a lot. Moody has this thick, sometimes splotchy inks and watercolor to craft the world. Everything has this like dirty, almost hazardous or sickly look to it. It's perfect for that early pandemic vibe when I would imagine every like, microbe and germ sitting on top of every surface and just being like, oh, God, where's my hand sanitizer? Uh, I think it's clever. I like the cast of characters. It went to really cool places at the end of the second issue. I need to keep reading to find out what's going to happen to these people. Like who lives, who dies, what's going on above ground. I, I need answers. It's, it's called it's a, a it's a Wednesday in New York. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. It's a, in my opinion, if you have comiXology unlimited, it is a no brainer. Uh, or if that just sounded cool to you, absolutely go and purchase it. Uh, the first two issues of that are out now. Uh, super good. Really, really liked it a lot. Uh, another comicsology original that I read is called Red Tag. And this is uh, one through three. Script by Raphael Scavone and Raphael Albuquerque. Ooh. You might know that name. Mm. Uh, script by Raphael Scavone. Uh, art by Roger Cruz, colors by Chris Peter, and letters by Bernardo Bryce. So, Red Tag takes place in Brazil, where three young people are doing their best to survive in a city that's about to fall victim to, a, to political upheaval. These three characters, they look after their own. So it's really disturbing when you discover that a local crooked cop roughed up the sweet older man who sells candy to the residents. The old man, he basically, he witnessed a hate crime, started filming it on his phone. Then the cop came over and grabbed the phone and threw it down and broke it. The older man has been saving for this phone for months. It's the only way that he can talk to his daughter while she's away at school. And yeah, it's a really sad little story in the middle of this really cool comic that I read. And I was like, immediately I feel for this older man. And I'm just like, you like dirty ass cop. Like, what are you doing? So. What do you do if you're one of these people that looks out for your city? You ride on the back of a motorbike, you steal the cop's phone, you wipe it, and then you sell it, and you use the money to buy uh, a new phone for the sweet older man. Only, what if you took a peek at the contents of the phone before you erased everything? Mm. What if you made a copy what if you discover that an, that an insidious plot to, overth- uh, to overthrow an upcoming election is afoot? It's only a few days away. Uh, what if the people who you were trying to ruin, what if they find out? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> anyway, that's Red Tag in a nutshell. It's flipping awesome. The city is really impressive and alive. The cast of characters, they're all very likable. Uh, each of they like each have their own exciting backgrounds that I, I got really invested in who they are. The art is also awesome. It reminds me a little bit of Rob Guillory from Chew, but like the color, the color work is absolutely incredible. Uh, all the colors are very bold, like sun or moonlight is shining directly down on every surface. Uh, the shadows are also really heavy. It adds a lot of depth to the characters and to the city itself. It looks amazing. I thought that maybe Albuquerque was going to be doing art 
on this, but it only turned out to be a writer. So when I opened it, I was like, oh, what is this going to look like? And then I was really pleasantly surprised and it, it's awesome. It's a ride. Um, so that's Red Tag uh, 1 through 3. That is also on Comixology. Uh, last but not least, you can get this anywhere they sell Image Comics. <laughs> that Texas Blood, number 14. <laughs> the Snow Falls Endlessly in Wonderland by Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. That Texas Blood is back, baby. After a brief hiatus, the next chapter of the series begins. Oh, no, sorry. Brings us to 1992 and the grisly murder of a promising young woman. This was <laughs> really good. <laughs> this was really good. I like I grew up obviously uh mostly in the 90s. So immediately when I opened this and saw it was 1992, it was like, "Oh boy. Here we go. I, I finally I know this time. <laughs> uh let's do this." And it starts off with an homage both to Silence of the Lambs and Scream. So putting those two things together and chasing this woman through her house and then finally, you know, doing the deed. Uh, and it just sends shockwaves through the town because this was someone who was considered to be very brilliant and was written about in the local paper. And everybody was really excited that she was going off to school and she promised that when she got her education, she would come back and she would help the town. And so it was like, you know, this prodigal uh, person returning. And then within just a few days of coming back to town, gets brutally murdered in her home uh, on top of everything else that this, that these characters in, the, in this series have had to deal with. Now this is happening right, you know, under their noses and they've got a, they've, they've got a killer on their hands and it's a really disturbing looking one too. Mm-hmm. Like the first time that you see this character, I won't say when, but in a panel, I was like, I turned the, the page. I was like, Oh Jesus. Like, wow. <laughs> it creeped me out. Uh, it's really good. Obviously, it's that Texas blood. The series has been just a lot of fun for me since it started, and uh, we're we're getting more of it. It's a brand new arc, and it's off to a really strong start. There's obviously more to the story than just the murder itself, um, but I'm going to let people discover that for themselves. Anyway, I just want to let people know it's back. It was featured heavily in this podcast and some of our award show stuff. So uh, go and check that out, please. Oh, last thing that I'll say, because I forgot to mention it at the top. Uh, We will be talking about the first episode of Ms. Marvel later on in the show after news, because or maybe before news. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Spoilers. It was amazing. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, Anyway, that's me. Any comments, any questions? That sure. Texas Blood was awesome. I mean, it was just so much. It's just a great book to have back. But that Jacob Phillips is killing it. That that the the opening scene with the, the lawyer who's returned to the Ambrose County to right wrongs for the under, you know, the people who can't defend themselves. Some of the paneling and the, the actual scene, how it's reflecting in the TV, it was straight up creepy out of a like a 1990s horror movie this yeah. this was awesome and then you got the election going on 
in the background. This, no, I love how this book jumps around in time periods. It was brilliant that the first arc is, you know, the sheriff's in his 70s. And he's just got to return that that Tupperware. And now we're back in the 90s. We were in the 80s before. Like this, this, this county just seems to have lots of problems, but I'm here for all of it. I love this book. It's really, it's really brilliantly plotted the way that they, like you said, that they've laid out these stories. Uh the Christmas special that mm-hmm. came out during the holidays was really good too. Yeah, I mean that whole world, like that that crime drama world. What did we have uh, not too long ago? That we oh the the latest uh, volume of Reckless, yes, with the Scream Queen and the house and the the, uh-huh. the, the all the noises, the hauntings. Ah, that, that was really good too. And then Newburn. Have you been reading Newburn? I haven't read it in a while. I read the first three. I loved them, and then I I don't know what happened. I think oh the comicsology stuff switched yeah. over. Uh, and then I wasn't collecting it anymore. And then I was like, oh, I'll just wait for the trade. Jacob Phillips uh, is killing it over there, too. Oh, man. I don't, know, where, I don't know how this guy, when he sleeps, because he's got two amazing books on the, the, the shelves right now. What when, if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? Well, some people can't even get one book out. And he's what got two of them. I'm okay with that. We're not naming names. <laughs> Maybe he's a reverse uh, vampire. And he can be in the there daylight. Does he spark? Daywalker. <laughs> I learned all about Daywalkers in First Kill. See, we're bringing it all back. Uh, Bob, you were about to say something yeah. as well? Uh, it's about the panic. I'm a huge fan of those kind of New York things that you throw all of Manhattan together and throw yeah. it out. And the way you're describing that, what's going on up top, who knows? Because even on a regular day, I joked about it being a normal Wednesday, you don't know what's happening in in. In New York. You've been there, Steve, you know. Oh, yeah. And I'm reminded, there's a movie from way, way back. It's kind of rare at this point. It's called The Incident. 66, Mm -hmm. 67. Really young Martin Sheen and Tony Musante terrorize a subway car. That includes Brock Peters from To Kill a Mockingbird. Even Bo Bridges. Very young Bo Bridges. Ed McMahon, for some reason. (laughs) Hey! But oh, it is wow. it is it is brutal, and they get to all one of those black and white movies, and these the regular folks are stuck on the train with these two ne'er do wells, and what starts in you do the New York subway thing, right, Steve? You just stare straight yeah. ahead and don't look at anybody. You just don't pay any <laughs> attention and just I'm I'm not here, I'm not sitting in this seat. There's stuff going on around me. And the way you described this book, I, I can picture myself just falling right into that vibe. It sounds great. It's really, I think you would really enjoy it, Bob. It has a uh, little bit of a Romero feel Ooh, to oh, it. You're, you're talking the gospel to me now, boss. Mm-hmm. It really does. Like it, I, and I'm not just saying that to drag you in. Yeah. Like it, I hope they print it at some point or or something um, because it is. It's timely as hell. Is another thing mm. like. We all remember when those protests were going down. And so thinking about the amount of people that were in the city at that time that were going to those protests and that were were doing that stuff. You saw these massive crowds like blocks long through the streets. Why is no one trying to make their way down into the subway to help these people? What happened above them that caused this this accident? And like, I just, 
I don't know. I have all of these you have theories. ideas yeah. running through my head. Yeah. And it's just that part of it to me, that mystery is so cool. I could chew on that for a while, but then there's also everything happening inside the subway car and they're all turning on one another The you know, all these people from all these different walks of life and different uh, amounts of privilege and everything going at it and trying to, to rescue themselves from this situation. Um, it doesn't, it like it's a little tropey, or like you have stereotypes to, in situation. That's how you set it up. Each person represents some part of society. Yeah, but like it's done, it's written well. It's done cleverly. It there doesn't feel ham fisted into it. I thought I thought it was really well done. Um, I was worried about that when like I started getting an idea for what kind of story I was in in for because like. I didn't read anything. I just started reading it. I was like, oh, let me pick this up and check this out. This looks cool. But I was impressed by it. It was it was clever and well-written. It wasn't too like, oh, come on, of course this character is going to behave like this. Or of course we're going to make the guy in the MAGA hat just an immediate asshole. And like, you know, with no layers whatsoever. Well, you you, me- you mentioned Romero. Uh, I hope I'm not spoiling Night of the Living Dead for anyone after 55 years or whatever it is. <laughs> The, the creepy white guy who's got all he's got all the aggravation and he's got his wife and the daughter in the basement and the whole thing at some level he turns out to be right if they had stayed in the basement all these people may not have died so Harry Cooper you know he's a jerk but doesn't mean he can't be right about things there's a there's a there's a a, a, a famous sort of crime movie sort of thing about witnesses and whatever, just because someone's a whore or a criminal doesn't mean they have bad eyesight. Right. You know, they might be able to identify something. They might tell the good story. So what you're talking about, Steve, that sort of mixture, you turn that on its head a little bit. You could have a lot of fun with that. And it sounds like you're, you're in, and I think I am too. I I do hope this comes to print because this sounds, this sounds like a, a graphic novel I need to read. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if uh, if they print any of their stuff. This stuff ends up by to, Dark Horse eventually. Cool. Yeah. So All right. Keep your eye I could. Out. I mean, I could see them being interested yeah. in this for sure. Remind yeah. me as we get forward in the year. All right. Uh, and the other thing I talked about was Red Tag. And if you haven't had enough of the January six uh, meetings and live streams and whatever, and you know political. Plots haven't gotten over on you. Check this one out. <laughs> a little, little, well, slightly you, relatable. John, John, I'm sure you're watching. I'm watching. Yeah, we, we don't need to. We, we don't, we need, don't to need, need to go there. Well, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go there later. Trust me. Uh, all right. One of my books. We'll save it for later. We'll save it for later. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have John go next. <laughs> Actually, no, no, no. Bob, go ahead. Okay, then. Uh, maybe a quick trip through a couple of books. It's going to be longer than before because there's only three of us. So The Rocketeer, The Great Race Number 3 by Stephen Mooney. Just a fun setup for the finale that comes next issue. And for all you fans, and I know that you are, there's plenty of Betty action. She does, she's got a lot to do. You know, Clip's girlfriend, she's more than that in this book is what she was for Dave Stevens. Next up, before I begin, I just want a big thanks to my friend Frank over at Long Island Comics who got me a copy of this very rare Kickstarter thing at a great price. So I'm just going to say it is Elvira, the Wrath of Khan, spelled C-O-N. 
And that's by Elvira. And Dave Acosta is doing her regular books. Jason, Jason Moore, Walter Pereira, and Taylor Esposito on letters. Now, what we have here, Elvira heads to the San Diego Pop Culture Ramacon to accept an award as Queen of the Cure as she saved Los Angeles from a zombie horde created when, and I'm quoting, remember the lockdown? Of course you do. You're a resident of the earth. At least I assume you are. So anyway, I got a little stir crazy, had a hairspray overdose and ended up in a coma. When I woke up, not 28 days later, Los Angeles was mostly deserted and the only people left were these crazed zombies. Some influential public figure convinced people they could beat COVID by taking a cleaning product, Dr. Sudsy, thanks for asking, internally. It may have protected them from COVID, but also turned them orange and crazy and violent. The who, not the, not the one, the one made of doctors, not aging rockers, was stumped. But then I splashed a latte in a zombie's face, self-defense, I swear, and he was miraculously cured. <laughs> we, we lured the zombie horde and their leader, Rick Searcy, to the Hollywood Bowl and sprayed him down with milk and espresso until they came to their senses. The kicker was it turned out Searcy was a fraud. He didn't even have the sudsy plague. He was just a washed-up TV personality grifting a bunch of deluded maniacs. Love that going around now, right? Anyway, <laughs> anyway, the thing of it is, the Sudsy plague is over, but the plague that made them drink cleaning solution in the first place, that's incurable. Look, being at San Diego, tons of cosplay stuff, lots of celebrity cameos, also some very, very deep cuts. It's a lot of fun. Everything that, that David Avalon's done with, with Elvira and that, that she's participating in this story, and I think this whole page I just read is, is her. Just just great stuff. Again, wait for Dynamite to reprint this because this was a $50 Kickstarter. Oh, wow. There you go. But I got a really nice price on because, well, you know, you got to have a friend in the business. So um, next up, a couple of number ones. This week, Poison Ivy number one by G. Willow Wilson, Marcio Takara, Arif Prianto on colors, Hassan Osmani Elahu on letters. First off, this story speaks to a whole bunch of different DC shenanigans I didn't read. But Ms. Wilson <laughs> provides enough context that I followed along quite nicely. So if you're like I am, don't be afraid to come on board. As if you don't, you're going to be missing something really special. Spoiler-free plot points coming as per her self-narration begins... Ivy's been through a lot, split into multiple beings, fused back into one being, gained unfathomable powers, lost unfathomable powers. After all that, she's pissed off. Now, this, but this is not a story about revenge. This is a story about love. Now, Harley's involved, but she isn't the focus of this. That's Ivy trying to do right by Mother Nature. If not well, human civilization, because, well, they don't count as much. G. Willow Wilson, Marcio Takara, Ari Pirano, Nasa Asmani, Elahu, each brought elements that define this version of Pamela Isley. She's beautiful, disturbing, relentless, otherworldly, also quite sad and human, and brutal. Uh, for me, I mean, it's just highly, highly recommended. Just absolutely loved it. 
Finishing up, Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor, which is number one of five by Torin Gronbach. Uh, Michael Dowling, Jesus Arbutov, Joe Sabino, opens on a mysterious character that's recruiting some major Asgardian baddies for a war against the Realm Eternal. We then shift focus to Midgard, and for me, one of the best scenes of Jane's Valkyrie to date. Simply wonderfully moving. Also a recap of why that character was such such a great leap, perfect leap for, from her time as Thor. A time that is, well, if you've seen the cover, might be coming again. Beautifully written, gorgeous art, clever lettering. Winner, across the board, A+. That's it for me. Would you believe that the other day I saw a one and a half star review for Poison Ivy number one? From? I'm not going to say, but it okay. was a major outlet. Wow. It was like a, like a major, major comics outlet that gave it a star and a half review. And I was like, there's no way. It's G. Will Wilson. Yeah, what, it's what, Poison yeah, Ivy. What book were they reading? I have no idea, but I was like, we'll see about this. <laughs> I went what, and I read it. What did you think? Go ahead. No. What? What? what oh, I loved it. Okay. I loved it. I love. And I, I mean, mm, I can't say. Damn you it! Go I, too far. Look, if, there are four different poison ivies at DC at this point, depending on what you're reading. This, I would be. I would be spoiling something else, though, because not. Uh-huh. Uh, nope, nope. I'm not going to say anything because. <laughs> anyway, Bob, go ahead. No, it, it is. Is it the is it the Ivy of the animated series or the animated book by T. Franklin? Is it the anim, is it the Ivy of the Batman books and what's going on over there? There's a lot to process. If I wanted someone to do this, it's G. Willow Wilson. And what happens say here? It. She's she's Ivy's got issues. She's been done wrong by a lot of different people, including people close to her. And she may or may not be totally herself after all this i'll just say without going too far steve where were you headed i'm just going to say this much batman unburied the podcast that i've been mm-hmm. talking about for the past couple of weeks uh has concluded the la- the final episodes went up this past tuesday i've listened to both of them um you should li- you should listen to batman unburied and then watch this because there is another version of this character okay. running around in another Batman something something, and um, yeah, yeah, I uh, yes, I really 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 enjoyed this. Uh, like I said, I've been on a Batman kick for the last several months, uh, just really really digging in deep into the character, and I have been kind of following along with the Poison Ivy stuff. Like I know that I read a lot of it, but the whole separation of her i guess like her her plant self and then her other self and what the divide is and what she took from the green and what side yeah right um so this was like just an absolutely brilliant follow-up to all of that and like you said there are aspects of this book that are just so grotesque like when she uses her powers her like i've seen her do some nasty stuff but to see her do so little and have it be such a violent transformation like almost immediately she whispers next to this guy's ear 
in the on this page, mm-hmm. he immediately just starts hacking up blood from his nose and his mouth, and he's got like spores. I used and to love gross. mushrooms until reading this book. <laughs> oh my god, it's so he looks like um he looks like the enemies from the Last of Us video game series. Like he totally looks like something out of that. Um, the people in the back of the van. Like I, I was so on board for this immediately. I love, love, love the artwork for this. Yeah, it's it's a, it's uh, a step up. Marcia Takara has been great for years. This is a little different. A little, a little I love the colors. Well, yeah, he's just yeah. over top all all the time. Uh, the, the the first glimpse you get of Ivy, not in some sort of superheroine costume, super villain costume, pair of cargo pants, some some docks maybe. It's like, Wow, this is striking. This is someone different. We we haven't seen her before. Yeah. Yeah, this is I'm really excited to to keep reading this. I absolutely loved it. I I walked out of this comic thinking about that one and a half star review and I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Now, I have a question. You, I have like, a question for you about this. Sure. Can can this version of Ivy be redeemed? <sighs> um Right now, I'm going to say no. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm going to say no based on on what we've read here. And like I said, coasting off of off of the podcast thing. Like I'm just I'm in a very specific place with that character right now. And this was just a cherry on top of the Sunday. Like I just I just came off of one of my absolute favorite Poison Ivy stories that I've ever read. And then this came out and just like upped yeah. everything for me. I was, I'm so high on this character right now. Yeah. I, I can't, so. I can't put Lake Bell's voice into this character though yet. I'm trying. No, but it, it just doesn't quite <laughs> Bob, work. Bob, you got to listen to Batman on Barry and I think you'd really enjoy it. It's so good. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah. Poison Ivy number one, outstanding. Uh, your other book that I read was uh, the Jane Foster. Woo-hoo. Yo, this was great. <laughs> it was great. Torn, it was Torn, awesome. Torn Gronbach was up for our breakthrough writer. Yes. Yes, she was. Yes, that is true. That is true. But this was this was really, really cool. It was, I love the idea of Jane basically putting her foot down on how much of herself she's going to pour into this next endeavor as Thor. It's going to be on her terms. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why it hasn't been that long since I've read that other stuff and have, have been away from the character, but um, I forgot how cool her Valkyrie oh, yeah. site yeah. is. I, I really, really like when you start to see kind of the, the death moon timers above everyone's head. Oh, that's like, oh. arc, yes. I was like, right, right. That's that's part of her power set now, and I just immediately remembered how cool that is, like visually and conceptually, and all of that stuff. Really, really well written. Uh, you know, obviously, Grunbach has has worked with uh, well, yeah, the Val- Valkyrie character, mm-hmm. but I don't know, just ma- matching matching what I what I hear the voice that I hear in my head for that character was coming through on the page, every page. It was really, really solid. I loved it. Yeah, and she gives some All lip right. to some older Marvel characters. But I don't want to spoil anything there. And he he deserves every bit of it. Um, art, mm-hmm. it art is gorgeous. 
by, by Michael mm-hmm. Dowling. And he says, Auburn's on my colors again. I loved from day one, Jason Aaron on Thor has done something special and is still probably his influence here only in that that's where we, 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 we got torn Grunbach brought into this storyline and she has definitely put herself out there as somebody I want to watch her work from now on. The, the characterizations of Jane as the steadfast Valkyrie who there's still because of what her job is in the real world working in a morgue and as someone who ferries the dead to their next adventure, so to speak, to Valhalla, such a wonderful dichotomy blend. It's a little of everything. It's perfect mm-hmm. here. And with the, the, obviously the movie's coming up. Let's do a, a book where Jane Foster's in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this could have been very simply a cash grab. It is not that. It is already something deep and mysterious and really interesting. And what's going to happen with this reveal on the last couple of pages with that certain Marvel character who we love but hate at the same time? Mm. I'm in it also for Jerry. (laughs) You bought the carrots, right? Is that his line? Yeah. But did the buy carrots and then what was the other one? I'm a working horse, me. I'm not one of those poncy ponies in that Asgard. I expect proper conditions. It's the union rules. You got to buy me carrots. (laughs) This is such an amazing, amazing character. I anything anything with Jerry in it, take my money. (laughs) So good. We've got a DC Super Pets. I think we should have. Marvel doesn't do animation as well as they should, but maybe there could be. It could be a what if super pets. We get Jerry going, get some tippy toe. Jeff the land shark. I want a comic with like some of the great uh, horses throughout animation or or comics hmm. to all be in the same comic. That would be amazing. Get the horse from Tangled in there. Um, it goes from 1984. Oh, I'm sorry, Animal Farm. I got my wrong Orwell book. Sorry there, John. Okay. I do have a group question oh. based on oh. on this comic. Hmm. There's so there's a a dating questionnaire in this book, and there's a question that that's asked, and so I figured we could answer it. Uh, if you were given the option to have either a pause button or a rewind button in your life, which would you choose? Oof, Bob. Um, write this particular... Keep in mind, if if you rewind, you can't go forward. You can only go back. Well, you rewind backwards and things start again from this point you rewound to, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. This particular second, because I need a break, pause would be great. Just to, mm-hmm. just to catch your breath. But in general, I know I, I... It comes from a weird source. I heard William Shatner say once that he has no regrets whatsoever. Because you make the decisions you make based on the information you have at the time. And you can't beat yourself up over things you don't know afterwards. All that said, you know, Captain Kirk, I'm sorry. I I have regrets and I would love to rewind and try to do right by some people I might not have done all the best I could for. John, what 
Uh, what what are you taking there? Are you taking a pause button or a rewind button? I got three kids. I'm taking the pause button. (laughs) I'll take it at 1.30 in the morning because my two-year-old has decided that's a good time to get up and wake me up and have a a little hoedown and party. uh, I could just hit pause. Uh, That would be fantastic. I have the, the two... Bigger kids were having a Royal Rumble in the basement tonight, and wow. I would have just hit pause. And oh, it wasn't a good type of Royal Rumble. It wasn't like oh. choreographed. It was like a you know, there real were, thing. There were <laughs> okay. there were true feelings coming through. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I, I try not to yell, but I was I was getting red. The dad voice works. <laughs> it works. No, I don't. I I don't. I can't do that. I. I I I was yelled at it a lot as a kid, so I tried. Oh, it's not yeah, no, it's no, it's not yet. My dad never yelled at me, but he was six foot one and weighed about two twenty of muscle. Mm. And all he had to do was lower his voice and say Robert. Oops. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. I did something wrong. I just yeah, I I, no, they they, I just I can't I don't I don't yell at him. John have you ever invoked the uh, the power of the full name? Yeah, that's the way like saying, that, um, saying the whole thing, yeah, middle well, name and all. Yeah, go for it. Well, see, when I was a kid, my mom, if I heard Jonathan Patrick Burkle, I <laughs> ran like go. hell because oh. I'm not even a Jonathan. I'm oh. just John. <laughs> and so if I if I heard Jonathan Patrick Burkle, I was like, "Get out! Run! Come home later!" <laughs> and so I bolted. We kind of. I, not really because we like Sawyer. It's Sawyer John. It's Maisie Meyer. It's Nora Kate, uh, Nora Catherine. So we just kind of throw their middle names in randomly. But um, if I drop full name like Sawyer John Burkle, he'll like freeze. Like he knows something. He knows See, something is, is going. Yep. But then if I go Maisie Meyer Burkle, she's like, "What?" Oh, and she like looks oh. at me. She's and I was like, "Do not talk to me that way," because you're talking to me that way. I'm like, you're six. You can't do this. No, she's six Uh boy on 15, but that's great. Yes. Yes. She is. You've got a goth on your hand. (laughs) Oh, I got a sassy little one on my hands. And then uh, the the two year old, everything is no. Do you want to go to sleep? No, I don't. (laughs) It's like, oh, you're going to kill me. Why do they come to my side of the bed? So I would hit pause and then I would sleep (laughs) an extra couple hours. Then I would come back into the game. Uh, Steve, how about you? Are you a pause or rewind? I'm going to take a pause button. I'm going to take a pause button because there are plenty of times in my life when I would just like to freeze the moment just to appreciate it a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. You know, just kind of like freeze frame, take a look around, look at all the pretty lights. Stop and smell the roses. I just, I'm, I'm, I have concerts on the brain and I'm just specifically thinking about just like, Freezing, uh, freezing, freezing one of those heightened moments when all the lights are up and everybody's jamming and everybody's screaming and they're all into the music and everything. And you can just kind of like matrix walk your way around (laughs) the venue a little bit just to soak it all in. And then, you know, or if you need a break after a song that they've played and you're particularly worn out, you need to catch your breath. All right, hold on a minute. Hold on. Just give me like just pause for two minutes. Take, (laughs) Take some water and then we'll come back. 
Um, I just yeah, I, I keep thinking of the scenes in the X-Men with Quicksilver. If I could save time in a <laughs> <Yeah>. bottle. <laughs> I, I feel like if I had a rewind button, I would always think of something new to rewind back to. And then I would just end up being a child all over again. And I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. So, uh, and a lot of the things that make me sad from my past, I cannot change because they're, they're part of who I am. They're part of my, my DNA and, you know, some of my illnesses and some of my, my medical stuff. Uh, Do I wish that nothing like that ever happened to me? I don't know because it's kind of shaped and informed who I am today and, I kind of like who I am, so, you know. I think all the poor decisions in my life have helped me to appreciate where I am now, so I don't want to go back and fix that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, all, in, all, in all honesty, the only thing I could think of with a rewind button is going back to concerts. Like, I shows, I just, oh, man, I remember when I saw so-and-so. Let's go back to that night and relive it again, but no. I go well, back and use uh, that like I, I need- Apple and Zoom and things like yeah. that. I need to be reassured now and again when I get into weird places and I thank people like Sarah and Steve and John and Aaron and and Joey and our whole crew and Jess and whatever for keeping me centered and normal. I'm not unhappy with who I am. I'm sometimes unhappy with where I am. Hmm. And those choices maybe somewhere in alternate universes, there's 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 a cranky old Uncle Bob who's not so cranky. Just saying. <laughs> wow. He's not telling people to get off his lawn. You know, it's just like that. Makes you appreciate the good times all the more, though. Uh, you know? Amen. Amen. I know. I know. I know it's not as simple as that, but, you know, we have a good time. It's nice. It's nice to have rituals. You know what I mean? Like throughout the week to spend time with with good people and 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 people that you feel a kinship with yeah and stuff like that's part of why we do this every week yeah all right we're getting uh we're going <laughs> deep going some places john <laughs> I, need a, I need a moment here <laughs> all right you want to hit the pause button oh all right i'm back no <laughs> <laughs> all right the summer of john continues as i am reading so many books <laughs> Uh, I read Batman The Shadow War. So this is Batman number 122 and 123. Robin number 13 and 14. Uh, Deathstroke Incorporated number 8 and 9. And then Shadow War Alpha and Omega. All written all written by Josh Williamson. Uh, Victor Bondog- Bond- Bogdanovic did the Alpha <laughs> issue. And that guy needs... He needs a regular monthly batman book he could i would love it if he you know dan moore is not going to be able to do every issue of world's finest work work bondanovic in there and that would be oh you would be so happy i would be so happy uh yeah howard porter uh roger cruz paolo pantelina and then steven segovia uh so last week steve talked about lazarus island and all of the shenanigans that damien got into this picks up in the wake of that. Uh, Raza Ghoul is dying as the Lazarus pits no longer work properly for him. Uh, and he's decided that, you know, in, in Raza's mind, he's the hero of the story. And he's decided that he's going to turn himself and Talia over to the authorities so they can answer for all of their crimes and maybe they can right some of the wrongs. Uh, but before he can do that, he catches a bullet to the head. Um, 
and Roz is dead. Any chance of redemption is gone. And who could do such a thing? Well, DC's resident number one assassin, Deathstroke. But Deathstroke claims that he's innocent. Uh, the League of Shadows doesn't believe him. The Secret Society of Supervillains, which Deathstroke is now the head of. And if you're really, <laughs> do we really want to name ourselves the Secret Society of Supervillains? Yeah, it's the Brotherhood, like of, the Evil Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. <laughs> we're just giving it away that we're not good people. Um, you get Batman and Robin caught in the middle. Batman and uh, Damien have been estranged ever since the city of Bane and the death of Alfred. So there's some great moments here, father and son moments. It's got great pacing. There's wonderful twists and turns. And this has got some great callbacks all the way back to the Wolfman and Perez Teen Titans and the the original Batman and the Outsiders um, from the 1980s. I got to hit pause. Uh, My daughter's here. Sorry. Okay. Night, Nora. Sorry, she just snuck up on me. <laughs> How dare you? Pause. No. Um, <laughs> ah, screw it. Let's leave it in. Um, <laughs> yeah. No edits. No edits. Uh, the next thing. Oh, no. I was just going to say this has got some great callbacks. It's really well done. Uh, the art, even though it's got lots of different artists, it's kind of consistent. They all have a very similar style. And Joshua Williamson, I don't, I just, I don't think we ever got the Batman story he could have told because Zdarsky's coming on. I'd like to see more of, of what Williamson wants to do with Batman. Maybe, maybe a Batman and Robin book in the future. Uh, then I next to another event, Flashpoint Beyond, number zero through two. Uh, this is Jeff Johns, Tim Sheridan, and Jeremy Adams are the writers Eduardo Rizzo, Zermonico, and Mikel Janin are the artists. A follow-up no one asked for, but maybe <laughs> everyone should be reading. Um, this is really good. Uh, Thomas Wayne is back from gallivanting around the multiverse. Uh, remember he showed up in King's run of Batman where he decided that he was going to basically kill everyone until Bruce stopped being Batman then he showed up in Justice League Incarnate, a.k.a. Aaron's favorite book of 2022. Um, <laughs> and now he's back in the Flashpoint universe that shouldn't exist because it was destroyed in the birth of the New 52. Um, the world is still on the brink of destruction. There's some great Watchmen feel. You know, the clicking, the uh, ticking time, the clock coming down. Aquaman is claiming that he's going to wipe out all of the surface world unless they stop uh, polluting. Okay, Prince <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's yeah. very very similar. Uh, he's at war with the Amazons. Him and Wonder Ooh. Woman have some moments. Um, there's a murder mystery. Thomas Wayne is, is getting older. Uh, and he openly admits he's not a good Batman. He's not as smart as Bruce. He gets, you know, where Bruce would see every angle... He kind of works off emotions. He uh, he's uh, got a new ward. He's got Harvey Dent's son because the Dents <laughs> are crazy and murdered. And who does he get to nanny the young man? The Penguin. Um, why uh, as not? you as you would as yeah. you would. And the kids like I want to learn how to shoot guns. And so the Penguin gets a bunch of guns and they just shoot up Wayne Manor. Um, <laughs> and then is this this is Flashpoint Beyond that you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, this is Flashpoint Beyond. This, this sounds is, awesome. This is really good. And it kind of feels like it might be important. Like this might be going somewhere. 
the art is really great. Eduardo Rizzo is one of my favorite. I loved Hundred Bullets. Uh, he did the Zero issue. Zermonico has this really sketchy, um, dark style. Yeah, love them on Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah, he did Wonder Woman. He did some Justice League stuff. Um, and then Mikel Jannon. There are like hints of our Ooh. of our Batman or maybe a Batman. Um, and he's doing those ish those stories and how this all is going to lead together and weave into something. I I'm, I'm in for it. I wasn't going to get it. I wasn't really interested. And then uh, one of the guys at the comic shop says, no, no, you, you, you'd like this. And they were right. I got something. You just got to yeah, try. You got to try this. Just, just a taste, just a taste. Um, <laughs> I put it in your bag. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they are notorious for that. Um, because when I got there last week, what was waiting for me? Dark Crisis Plus number is. one. Oh yeah. Um, Joshua Williamson and Daniel Samper, uh with Alejandro Sanchez on colors, and then Tom Napolitano on letters. The Justice League is dead. Uh, Harumph. The world. Harumph, I the, say. Yep. <laughs> or as Nightwing has said, they're maybe dead. Um, <laughs> Yo, they didn't just die. They got. I read that uh, after you put it oh, in the chat. That just like yeah. seventy five. Yeah, dude, they got like phasered out they just, into ashes. Yeah, yeah. they got. They oh got, my god! Yeah, they got like crisis uh, yeah. issue number one <laughs> yeah. with the the um what was it the Earth three the 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 crime evil syndicate. justice league yeah. yeah the crime yeah. syndicate um so with those worlds preeminent super team no more. Many small-time villains are taking advantage of the void. Uh, John Kent is working overtime as Superman. Wally West is there. Uh, they want to create a new league. Uh, Hal Jordan doesn't believe that the, the league is dead because the only witness to it is Black Adam, who uh, Hal Jordan apparently hasn't gotten the memo that Black Adam is good, and that's telling well, because remember, Hal Jordan one time wiped out the entire DC universe with Parallax. That's, that's true. That's true. That's I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Deathstroke in the wake of the Shadow War is now in control of the secret society, and he wants to attack Titan's Tower and destroy all legacy of heroes. Uh, and then you got the greater darkness coming, the the great darkness with Pariah that was hinted at in um, uh, Justice League number 75. I like this more than I thought I was going to. I don't think DC needed another crisis, but this really doesn't feel like uh, the crisis of Infinite Earths. It doesn't feel like Infinite Crisis. That was like a cookie cutter copy of that. Um, this just... There are some there are some elements of those crises here, but this feels like you know it's a it's a bigger story. It's it's obviously the legacy heroes. I don't know if this was supposed to kick off five G, but it has that that the older heroes are gone. Here are the new heroes, and let's see what they can do. Um, I'm I'm on board with this. I, I think it, it's got potential. I don't know if it needed to be called Dark Crisis, but I'm sure it got a lot more eyeballs on it yeah. uh, because it's named Dark Crisis. But I'm in for it. I, 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 I'm, I'm down for it. And then the book of books, Aquaman Andromeda number one. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Ram oh, V yeah. and Christian Ward. Whoa. Oh, my God. This book is freaking amazing. This might be the most beautiful book I've seen in years. 
Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. I uh, the Amazon's number one. Historia. I. I, Yeah. No. I. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Both both are there. Don't give me. I love what I love what DC's doing with this black label. Yeah. Uh, They're 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 doing some experimental stuff here. Um, you got an alien probe. Uh, that has landed. There's apparently a point in the Pacific Ocean known as Point Nemo, where all of the alien artifacts are collected. Uh, Andromeda is an experimental submarine that is not supposed to be there. Uh, their support ship is on the the surface. It's it, it, it is attacked by a giant kraken. Uh, you have a bunch of rogue politicians employing Black Manta to get to the probe before the Andromeda does. And then you have Aquaman in the middle of all of this in, it's like the Peter David Aquaman. You got the heavy beard and the, the long shaggy hair, but his suit, it looks like crustaceans. Like he's lived underwater and he's almost become covered in barnacles or something. Yes, exactly. But it's got like this streamlined stealth look. Do you remember Bob the um uh, the Aquaman miniseries in the eighties where they gave him the the blue and white uniform? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it it's got elements of that. Like oh, it's that's actually cool. part of the sea. And Christian uh, Ward doing it. Wow. Oh, Christian Ward is killing it. This this book is gorgeous. Um, there's gonna be three of these. Uh, it's a three issue miniseries. Um, obviously, it's not continuity heavy. If you like Aquaman, you like good storytelling, and you like beautiful artwork, this book is a must read. I, I loved wow. every page of this. I, I like found myself. I got a physical copy. I found myself just going through it and looking at panels again and again. Uh, I, I, I I cannot rave more about this book. It it was beautiful, and I'm done. Oof. <laughs> Steve, I know you want to talk about Andromeda um, and I'll jump in, but you go first. I just want to say that I agree with everything that John had said. It was incredible. I read it last night. It is absolutely gorgeous. Christian Ward, top of his game, all of that. Uh, I was a little surprised by not the, it's not a lack of Aquaman mm-hmm. in the story. It's, using the character just enough to remind you that it's still an Aquaman story and that it's coming, but it does a really good job by setting all of this up with you spending a lot of time with the crew and getting to know the ship and the situation that they're in. And once a certain element of the story comes to light and they know what they're dealing with, they then find out, like the nature of their mission and why they are there and kind of what they've agreed to do at every time that they protest and, and are like, you know, we got to get out of here. We got to do this. We got to do that. They have not an excuse, but like a protocol to counter that Mm -hmm. and tell them why everybody needs to stay put. These people are trapped. Yeah. And there is some, some seaside shenanigans going on. And they're about to poke the bear. They're about to poke a very big underwater bear. And I just, the whole time that I was reading this, it was that voice inside your head or when you're screaming at people that can't hear you, when you're like, don't do that. It's like the people that find these tombs and they decide to open them up. Like we found, not even, 
not even a tomb. Like, oh, we found this old ass jewelry box from you know several millennia ago. Let's let's crack it open. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, let, I'm just yeah, sitting read, there reading the, the newest book bound in human skin. Yeah, let's just read the Latin from it. Yeah, sure, why not? Look, this is how this is how the plagues start. This yeah. is the way that it goes. It's the first sign. And I had that in my head the whole time that I was reading this. Uh, and it just visually it's it's incredible story so far. It's such a strong voice uh telling this tale. Yeah. And I really liked the crew. Like huh? I I liked spending time with the crew. I'm ready for some Aquaman stuff, but yeah. We got a nice little nice little taste of it. And uh yeah, and just absolutely incredible. It's really, really good debut for this. And 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 it's the the claustrophobic feeling of being in a submarine. Yes. It's just I mean, I could never do that. I could not that I could not exist in that type of environment. But this Oh those, dude. Those classic yeah. submarine movies that where it's like, yeah, this is this has have that you, feel. Have you read Department H? I think or Depth. The um Oh the Oh God. I had the name and now I'm forgetting. Awake? No, no, no. Um, oh my god. Matt Kent. Oh Matt, uh, um Depart it is it's, it's Department, Department H. H. Yeah. No, I yeah. never read that. That you need to read okay. that because that is that is this, but stretched over like three or four really fast paced and really exciting uh volumes okay. of a group of people that are like they're all the way down, down, down in the depths of the sea and everything is somebody sabotaged the base and it's flooding and they all have to manage to get out somehow. And it happens in the very first issue, like stuff starts going wrong. And so the entire series is just a big roller coaster ride from beginning to end mm -hmm. of people trying to escape. It's awesome. All right. I, I will find that and read that too. Yeah, they announced that for like TV or film at some point, and we haven't heard boo from it since. And I'm really pissed because I think it would adapt really well. Okay. Um, before I, I launch into anything about Dark Crisis, Bob, did you want to chime in? Well, the whole black label idea. I mean, maybe it got the wrong attention early on because of bat peen. <laughs> but, but if you start to look at what they've done, whether it's Cliff Chang's Catwoman Lonely City, Stephen Shage's Harleen, Wonder Woman Historia, and now what you're saying about this Andromeda. There's some really good stuff being done. Uh, the Amanda Connor uh, Birds of Prey book. There's a lot. Batman of, the Imposter. Yeah, there yeah, you go. The imposter, yeah. There's a lot of really yeah. good stuff because you can go outside of continuity and have great creators apply their creativity to fantastic characters. And I, they should do more. You have not seen sea creatures before you see Christian Ward's oh, sea creatures. Is, is Mother Shark in this one? She should not be. Yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Maybe. But I would not be surprised. Cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Mother Shark. Mother Shark is so good. God, I missed that Such an series. amazing character. I I need to reread those things <laughs> just for just for that. Rob um, yeah. 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 Seriously. Um, uh, so dark crisis. Dark, cri I want to dark crisis some... or Justice League extra crispy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so okay, I obviously have not been keeping up. I went to go and uh, purchase Justice League seventy five, 
And Comixology keeps track of all of the <laughs> comics that you have in your folder, and it tells you how many you have of a series when you're about oh. to open it. And so I bought 75, and I went to go and look at my com- my collection for Justice League. I had, I think, one through four, and then 75. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good run. That's a good run. Right. So I was missing a few. But um, I I came into this surprisingly well i mean there was definitely some stuff that i didn't understand um the the problem with having these big dc events is that i don't have a lot of exposure to a ton of dc characters outside of like the batverse or even some of the superman stuff is hit and miss for me so when a lot of these obscure villains and stuff show up i'm like whoa look at all these new people Anyway, <laughs> 75 was fun. And I was like, I'm kind of into this. This this is this is cool. And then you get the new one, which is basically John Kent trying to create this new Justice League. Mm-hmm. The team that he ends up with, <laughs> who like who answers the call. Yeah. Some some of these some of these heroes straight up are like, no, I can't be bothered because this is more important. <laughs> and all the villains are like, Justice League is dead. How about we all decide to attack all at the same time yeah. so that, you know, they're all, all the heroes are scrambling and some of their heaviest hitters no longer exist. Yeah. It's so good. So that team, when they, when he makes the big grand announcement of who the team is, it was like, this is oh the best you can get. <laughs> I'll, I, I won't reveal all the team members, but can I reveal one? You go for can it. I reveal one. Okay. Arm fall off lead. No. no. Oh. Frankenstein. What? Agents of Shade. Agent of Shade. Yeah. He's standing in the background with a big sword on his back in like a big black trench coat. He's on the cover. And it's, he, it's okay. He's he's back. I didn't see him on the cover. I didn't even bother looking at it. I just opened it up and started reading. And oh, I'm so because they didn't show the they didn't show the lead up. Or or anything, he's just in. He's just on that yeah, he's page. Just there, yeah, he just showed up. Yes. So I'm like, I'm scanning the page, and I'm like, okay, we met them, we met them, we met them. Oh my god, it's Frankie. Oh, they need it. They need somebody to liaison with the Justice League Dark because they still exist. When we started this podcast, and the new Fifty Two came out, mm-hmm. Frankenstein Agents of, of books, Shade, right? yeah, was one of the better books from that. I love launch. that book. Yeah. That was really that was a lot of that was Jeff Lemire, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Him at that and Animal Man. Those were two good things. We were so young. Yeah. Remember when yeah. I used to say Animal Man on the show all the time? Go ahead, go go for it. Animal Man. <laughs> oh, that yes. was that was the original flashpoint. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That was my first catchphrase. <laughs> Animal Man. Animal Man. Oh my god, my voice just cracked. All right, um, Dark Crisis. I'm into it. You guys, the the hype in the chat really kind of set me up for this and wrote me in. And I was like, you know what? I'll get it. I'll, I'll check it out. Now you got me looking at this Flashpoint Beyond. Yeah. It cost me like twelve dollars. Wait till it's done. Wait and like, just get it all. Like you yeah. can't wait until it's done, dude. DC they drag their ass. Yeah. Like I don't have the infinite whatever <laughs> thing. And you, and you know what pisses me off? Com- Comixology pissed me off once again. They don't do like discounted trades anymore. They, their sale. 
It's like all single issues. Wow. I haven't even looked at the sales stuff since they since they uh well, it used to be either, their, their I relaunch. Yeah, I don't do much of it, yeah. but you could buy a, a trade for four ninety nine sometimes. Yeah, exactly. They always had a good sales, especially when like other things were coming up. I like, think I've seen no. Maybe they changed that. Maybe Yeah. I'm gonna look right now. Okay. For a while there it felt like everything on sale was like single issues. Someone's got to stick up for comicsology. Wow. No, wait, they're not they're true. Bad. Never Would mind. you for U.S. Steel in an antitrust suit? No, you wouldn't. Same idea. No, they've what got some deals. Deal. I, 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 t- I retract. My- oh man, you know, I, I touched one extra button too many, and now they're showing me all the, like the regular store deals. Hey, this crap. Here we go. Comic deals. Nah, they got yep. some good stuff here. I'm, I'm, yeah, they got I, a big I thing retracted. on the boys right now. Oh, the boys. They got a 90% off Ms. Marvel sale. That's amazing. Yeah. That first volume for 99 cents. Yo. Wow. Go and pick that up. $1.99 for the other ones. They have the entirety of X of Swords for $10. That's like 700 cool. pages. DC Pride sale. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, All right. All right. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I retract my 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 anger at Comicsology oh. for this week. Maybe <laughs> maybe now week. maybe now I should edit the pod. I'm not no, gonna no, edit. No, 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 no edits. No edits. Uh there might be at least one. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see. Um I think we should we're good. Let's uh what do we want to do first? Do we wanna do the Ms. Marvel review or uh news? What are you feeling? It's Marvel. Let's go. Ms. Uh, Marvel. Let's keep all right. Let's, let's keep the good times going. Yeah. With uh, there's with a news story that's going to just lead me down a dark path. Ooh. So let's go happy, Miss Marvel. Um, it might there might be a light at the at the end of that tunnel. I added to our news section because oh, there was oh. some breaking news. Breaking news just before. Um, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, okay. So here's the thing. I want to say everything about Ms. Marvel. So we'll do general impressions. My general impressions are going to be very short. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're going to go into spoilers. If you have not seen Ms. Marvel episode one on Disney plus, by the time that you're listening to this, there will be two episodes. Absolutely go and watch this show. Take everything that you, every preconceived notion that you might have about it and throw that out the window and just go and experience pure joy. Ms. Marvel, episode number one, my general impressions. I watched this by myself. Bronwyn was at work, and I felt like I needed to watch it in the morning, so I watched it as I was waking up with my coffee and my pancakes. (laughs) And by the time that it was done, when the credits started rolling, I nearly passed out from elation and just being so happy for for a number of reasons that I'll get to when when we get into the spoiler stuff but mainly the whole time that I was watching this probably more so than any other thing that Marvel has done that has come out since we started this show I could not believe that I was actually watching this on my TV mm-hmm. Like when we heard that this was announced, we were all so excited. Kamala Khan as a character has meant so much to everyone who has passed through this 
podcast. Mm-hmm. Even Melissa, who doesn't <laughs> wow. like superheroes wow. at all. I'm saying, like, that speaks true. to the power yeah. of this character. Like, Kamala Khan is a very big deal. She's a very big deal for me. She's my favorite hero in the Marvel in the Marvel universe. And I was not nervous. I was just, I was so excited to see what they were going to do with it. And watching this show just brought me so much joy to see a character that I love so lovingly represented. I did a lot of reading about this show uh, after I watched the episode, listening to, not listening, but like reading uh, Sana Amanat talking about the adaptation of it and going to Kevin Feige and asking to put references there to Kamala's culture, heritage and everything. And every time that they asked if they could put something in, they said, absolutely, go ahead, go and do it. And they did it. And I'll talk about more of that when we get into spoiler territory. But like I said, I felt lightheaded by the time that this was over. And I've watched it three times since then. I absolutely positively loved this first episode so, so, so much. Um, Bob, what did you think? Perfect. Is the word yeah. I would use. <laughs> there, there was quibbling, including from me. I must say about the changes in powers and so on. None of that matters at all. The tone is right. The characters are right. The supporting characters are right. I was tearing up with joy for an hour. It is just exactly what I wanted it to be. It represents who this character has meant to so many people now for across eight years or whatever that Kamala has been around. She's a, a real person, a real teenager, and then dealing with all the things that have been layered onto that character in terms of family, religion, place in society, who she is as a fangirl is all there. It is told in a quirky, bizarre, different way than any of the Marvel shows have been. But if you want to see the things you love from the book, well, the Circle Q was there, and Bruno was there, and Zoe and all the crew, her mom and dad, are perfect. The setup, it's changed a little. But you know what? As Kevin Feige's pointed out, when the character was created eight years ago, it's a different Marvel Universe than the MCU of today. We need to do these things. They carried that off, I think, beautifully. And where this is going to go next, can't wait to see... Episode two tonight. Well, we're time traveling, so tonight it'll be on. <laughs> loved it. Absolutely loved it. Outstanding. John, how about you? I, I thought this was delightful. I I just smiled the entire time I watched it. It's a it's 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 not even a superhero story, it's a family story, yes. it's a teenage story, and it's there it's it's universal that her the Pakistani culture of this is how her mom and her interact. That's how all teenagers and parents interact. It's, it's so encompassing and beautiful. And I love the characterization of Kamala. I love her and Bruno's Mm. relationship, the friendship that, that unwavering. Uh, I love the geekiness, the fan girl in it. It's, it's just so good. Uh, I just have one quibble Uh-oh. that I'll get to in um, in spoilers because I, I, now I can't. I'll talk about it later. Okay. 
why don't you talk about it now? Spoiler alert now. Yes. All right. If you haven't seen the first episode of Ms. Marvel, go uh, go and watch it. John, you have the floor. Joey was right. God damn it, Joey was right. Oh, <laughs> we we don't the band with the band, but they are may not be mega bands. They could be Cree. They could be the Ten Rings. We don't know exactly what. I know, but, but you know what, like, though, John? John, uh, in in the original books, she first exhibits her powers. She saves Zoe by stretching her hand out and saving yeah. her from drowning. And, and she, did that she here. does yeah. that here at the Avengers Con, which there should goddamn well be an Avengers Con because I'm <laughs> I'm there, I'm there for that. Please, I'm sneaking out of my house. Yeah, exactly, I'll <laughs> jump on a tree. You got it. You know what I just realized? Every time that we have to say Joey was right on this podcast, there is probably a monkey's paw somewhere <laughs> curling a finger, and I don't know how many we have left until that thing curls into a fist. And and I get oh. it. Maybe the powers don't work in the way they want to look, but she's still embiggening if but she the hasn't way, said the, it yet. The way her mom looked at that bracelet, yeah. and, then the, and then the talk about her, her grandma, I want does that the, story too. Because the mom knows something. Yes, yeah. yes. And that she keeps talking about her, her grandmother's like wild fantasies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And how heartbreaking was it when her mom made the Hulk costume and her dad's there oh, and, with the oh glasses and the dad, green when her, go, oh. when her like, dad burst into the room and he just keeps like oh. <laughs> and she's like and she but then she's like I can't you're not cool. And it's oh. like that's my that's my future. I know that's my future. And, and he cr- <laughs> he cries without crying. She does yeah. too. And I didn't mean it that way. It is so Kamala and her mom and dad that we've we've known yeah. and loved. But there's that moment we all have where our parents are no longer the cool people in our yeah. lives. And, and I think that, yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> such a good family dynamic. They The cast here is perfect. The mom, the dad, the brother, <laughs> the friends, even, yeah, oh, I just, yeah. I, I, I do not, have... I do have one strike against Bruno. Uh oh. If you want, we have to. We. I know that we don't normally talk about Bruno, <laughs> but we're going to well, talk he, about. He, him. He's a brain inventor. We saw what he could do. He's no, 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 no. He's great. This is this is such a minor, stupid Steve thing. This is no oh, offense. Well, here, we, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. At one point in the episode, he's crossing the street. And he's looking at his phone. Not only should you not be looking at your phone across the street. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. I'm getting to it. So he pulls up to the circle queue and he takes his bike and he puts it on the rack. It doesn't lock it. He does not lock it. He doesn't lock it. And then later in the episode, Kamala loses her bike. And she's like, do you think it'll still be there when it gets back? And he's like, no. Well, no. And he gives her this face like, well, you should have locked it up. Not if you don't lock it up. And I'm thinking, dude, you didn't lock your bike yeah, but up he, earlier. Yeah, but he's in a bike wreck outside the place he lives in. She's throwing it in the street outside the bus. She couldn't get on the she bus. get on the bus. He's a, he's a hypocrite. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just, it stuck out to me. And I was just like, ah, it's, it's, such, a, it's such a me thing. Anyway, but, you know, the, he's great, though. Right, I, everyone's great in this show. I, I, Iman Yolani, who's... Apparently dressed up as Kamala for Halloween five years ago in a homemade costume. She's a, she is a fan. She is like 
she was Uber way fan. into all yeah. of this stuff. Yeah, she actually has Iron Man and Captain Marvel posters in her own bedroom where she did a Zoom call with Kevin Feige, and they look behind her to see all this Marvel stuff. It's like oh, you know all this stuff. She's passed every quiz. They keep challenging her on YouTube or whatever, and she she just nails every quiz. Yeah, nice. Yep. Uh, all right, I have a list. I have a list of things okay. that I loved. <laughs> okay, I've got some Easter eggs. Go ahead. All right, so I loved the animated opening. Oh, yeah. I loved it so much. And I love the animated flourishes throughout the episode. That scene where they're like uh, figuring out what her flourish can be and all of those different things are getting painted on the building as they're uh, riding yes. their bikes through Let's town. continue through the end credits. With yeah, real art, just absolutely books. incredible. Yeah. Uh, Iman Vellani is just incredible. She em- embodies the role, unlike anyone I've ever seen before. Be like, be that character so much. Uh, Marvel isn't trying to hide her culture, the no. community, the people, the traditions, the the food, the colors. Like, it's all there, and I'm I'm really happy to see that. Because that's something that they've needed to work on and still still do, but it's they've been at it for a long time, and they're they're finally trusting these filmmakers to do the thing, and it's nice to see the thing done because it just makes it yeah. better. Um, Ami Abu Amir hmm. Bruno, uh, I will get more of Zoe and Nakia, but so far so good. Uh, Zoe in particular, um, I'm very intrigued by that character. That was cool. Her cool. introduction. Uh, like I said, it's ultra colorful. I think the way that she gets her powers is interesting, and I'm excited to see how it adds up. Like you mentioned before, the mom being like looking at the the band and and taking it away and putting it upstairs and being like, you know, you don't want any part of that. I'm like, what do you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. what do you? At what point are you going to become suspicious of of Kamala as she goes running around? But um, when she gets the other things, like when she gets her powers. It looks like she enters a place possibly where her ancestors are or something really cosmic. Like she falls backward into this like purple crystalline, almost Wakanda-ish looking the dimension. ancestral plane kind and, of thing. Yes. Yeah. And there's a bunch of people standing there. You can see yep. their eyes all lit up and you can see their silhouettes and it's really brief, but I want to know what's up with that. And if we didn't change the story and didn't change her, not her power set, but like the way she gets her powers, we wouldn't have that element of the story. And that's that's something new. Like that's something new for this character. And that has me excited to see what that's all about. Um, I'm respectful for what Sana and, and Willow were doing back when they did it. It's about culture. Mm-hmm. And there it is. Yeah. Um, and two other things super quick. Uh, Mr. Wilson, the guidance counselor, yeah. I thought was great in the small part that he played. Uh, I love the counseling sh- session scenes. Do I have um, to figure out my whole the future way- before lunch? <laughs> yeah. But, like, We've in all addition been there. To- We've all been there. John, you probably yeah, said in- that yeah, to I- 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 yeah. <laughs> Like, in addition to all the drama between Kamala and her parents – this guy is really driving home the idea of all of the expectations that mm. are set on younger generations to be the types of people that adults think they should be. 
There's the key. You know, yes. Like, yes. Like Kamala's mom is asking her, you know, do you want to be an upstanding citizen that your, you know, your family can be proud of, or do you want to stay on this comic book thing and, and be cosmic for the rest of your life and end up screwing your life up? And Kamala is just like, yo, I, I beat into a different drum. What's the, it's the last scene. What, what, what's her, what's her, la- what's the last line of the show? Not counting the post credit sequence, by the way, people, there's a post credit sequence. Yeah. I want to be cosmic. Um, she is laying there cosmic. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I just, I, I loved all of that stuff of, of her, it being very clear that she, she's being asked to make a choice. That's not, it's not fair. You know, she, it's a different generation. It's a different time. She's growing up in a different world. And those traditions, while she wants to honor them, not all of them are a part of her in the way that she's growing up and the way that her life is headed. And so she's going to have to make a lot of tough decisions and probably disappoint her family here and there. And it's going to be devastating for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I love that drama that they've set up already with everything else that they set up in this one episode, they managed to nail that too and, and plant that seed for, for that stuff that's going to be coming down the road. Uh, and the last thing I'll say again is just that I love the depiction of Kamala's struggle to honor her family, uh, but also be her own person. Yeah. And I don't know. I think this is shaping up, I think to be the best Disney plus Marvel offering since WandaVision. Agreed. Like I think Agreed. this is the next one. Yeah. 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 As much as I loved Hawkeye, this, this, the potential for this and what it can mean to so many other people beyond just us comic book folks, people who can see themselves represented on screen. Her line here is it's not the brown girls from Jersey City who saved the world. And Bruno went, sure, you can save the world. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Filled with so many bits from the show, whether it's the artwork on posters, it's the, fan fiction it's sloth baby productions which we she's got her little thing there posters all over the room i i i i don't know that they'll go for her her first big bad so to speak but that they managed to sneak in an edison electric thing since her first villain is a combination of thomas edison's dna and a parrot I was like, come on, <laughs> come on. Let, let, let's just have some fun with this. Um, all the stuff at the con, right? She, she, Asgard, new Asgard tours. Let's tie in mm-hmm. forward. Let's tie in backwards where she's, they're playing the song from the Captain America, the first Avenger movie. Yeah. And, and they fill a great plot hole. How do people know what happened in the battle for the earth against Thanos? Well, that blabbermouth Scott Lang has a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> who gives up everything? That's why he's in Rogers the Musical, I guess, because people think he's there, but he's not. For 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 those for those of us who are deep Marvel nerds, and that's all three of us, these little things are shining extra little bits and pieces. But I, right. I'm I'm gonna say to you. You could show this to someone who's never watched anything but a couple of the movies. Maybe just watch the Avengers movies and then come out of this with an appreciation for the depth of the Marvel characters across the board. Kamala Khan, in our time with Talking Comics, has been someone that all of us, as she says, all of us love. 
and has meant so much to the world beyond comics that you can look into this medium and see someone who represents you, who you never saw before. That's that's amazing. We we are the privileged, right? We we're sitting here as you know, we're the three amigos tonight, right? We're just three regular <laughs> white guys. But this character spoke to all of us in the books and on the show that represents those those comics so well. I'm I'm beyond the moon as to where this went. I, I had high expectations, completely all met, exceeded. Yeah. Can't wait to see what episode two is going to be. Amen. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we end it. That's good. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Let's get into the news. There's lots of news this week. Some of it's good. Some of it's good. Some of it, some of it was was some of it got a little better. We'll see. Um, okay, first of all, it's trailer talk time. DC dropped. DC dropped a trailer for Black Adam, starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson as Dwayne the Rock Johnson <laughs> in a black superhero suit. As he always is. I think that this movie is going to be fun. Okay. I look, I say this every time we get to a new trailer and it always rings true. No matter what happens, I'm going to see it. <laughs> and I would rather be excited for something and be all, than be all pessimistic about it. Oh, Lars, it's Morbid. It's Morbid time. Um, it's Morbid time. Um, look, I have to admit there were parts of this trailer that I was like, that was funny. That made me laugh. The moment where the couple inside the truck roll open, roll up their windows at the sight of Black Adam had me laughing. I think that this could be okay. If it's just a movie about him starting as the villain, fighting the JSA, and then they at some point convince him to, you know, turn to the other team and we get the the hero that the DC universe needs out of it, then so be it. Um I let let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> I don't care about Black Adam one way or the other. But you've yeah. got Hawkman and Doctor Fate in this movie. I'm in. I'm in. Sweet. And I'm good to go. And they look great. And it looks like fun. And when DC over the last couple of years has gone fun, didn't love Shazam, but lots of it I liked a lot. Aquaman's a lot yeah. of fun. The Suicide Squad a lot of fun. Let's break out of the regular stuff yeah i'm in i i didn't care about it to start with i sure do now yeah i it's one of the it's exactly it's one of those things where i was like ah whatever and i saw this and i was like actually you know what (laughs) exactly all right all right uh john what do you think i i come Uh on join Uh us no i this this trailer is almost the epitome of the DC movies in that well, I don't know what true. it wanted yeah. to be. It didn't know. I, I'm I'm in for this. I love the JSA and seeing them on the big screen. I'm there for that. I love The Rock and I I think this movie has potential, but this trailer grabbed no one, <laughs> 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 and and I'm just like. 
DC, this is, you know, this is your problem is like, I don't know if they know what this is going to be. They just wanted to make a movie with the rock, but I know I, everything you said, I think it's going to be fun. I, to stick up for you. I think you're right. I I don't disagree either. Yeah. Who's it for? (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I went from not caring about it to being cautiously optimistic slash excited about it. But did it grab me? Absolutely not. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see it. I'm going to go see everything. And I, I, I probably have fun with it. I like Shazam. I can't wait to see Black Adam and Shazam together because I think that could be a humorous dynamic. Because oh, yeah. You have the Billy and, and um, oh, God, I can't think of his name, the actor. Um, Zachary Levi? Yeah, Zachary Levi and The Rock. I think those two could have a wonderful dynamic on screen. Yeah, but, totally. But we got to have this movie before we get that movie. In 2025, so. yeah. Shazadam. Shazadam. <laughs> <laughs> two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Black Adam coming at you. Uh, next on the list, we talked about this <laughs> last week. And then it was almost like we summoned it into, even though they've been working on it. I'm so sorry we summoned it. Yes. Uh, um, Todd Phillips has confirmed that uh, there is going to be a second Joker movie. Jesus Christ. He is writing and directing and Joaquin Phoenix is back. Uh, I do not know how to pronounce the full title. Joker Folly Adieu. Is that it? A do hot shots part do exactly. Um, <laughs> I'd rather see that. Yeah. <laughs> hold on though. Hold on though. Hold on though. Hold on though. Because I have an update. No, oh, no. this is gonna help. This doesn't. This help. is doing something for me. Okay. Okay. You getting your poker face on? Yes. Okay, Lady Gaga. Lady Lady Gaga. <gasps> no. Who is no. a? Who is a? She is a fantastic actress. Yes. And entertainer as Harley Quinn in the movie. No, they already have the perfect Harley Quinn for film. Yeah. For we're that, though. Well, 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 no, well, no, okay, we just got through joke, saying. Maybe not that Joker universe. Nah. We just got through saying that one of the perks of Black Label is giving DC the opportunity you. to tell other stories in other universes. The Joker so far is not connected to anything else in the DC film canon, whatever the hell it is that even looks like. Lady Gaga being in this movie as Harley Quinn acting alongside Joaquin Phoenix, I'm kind of into that. So I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to be, but I kind of am. No. So there you have it. Sorry. This was poor taste a few years ago when it came out. It's even more poor taste now with everything going on, where we are as a world and society. Yeah. What happened just this weekend with a pride festival almost thirty-one people arrested. by a white supremacist group? We don't need a movie that somehow redeems or tries to justify these type of behaviors. If you want to do a 1980, if this was a Batman movie set back then, I'm game. Let's go. But I, I don't think that this is a wise choice at all to make another one. You mean, yeah, to make another one. One was bad enough. It it, it is visually, visually it's a great movie. And we talked about this last week with my new best friend, Chris, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh it's just it's not it's not a wise they're only doing it because they made so much money i agree wholeheartedly with the both of you 
what I'm saying is that I can't stop this movie from being made. And if we see it to talk about it on the show, I would rather Lady Gaga be there than not be there. That is that is I wanted to the, go do long, the, the long and the short of it. She can go do the music for uh, Top Gun Maverick 3. <laughs> she's the, she's part of the music on that. Yes, she is. No, I know. Yeah. So I, I wrote an article for the song. Yeah, <laughs> what about what about Samara Weaving as Harley? Oh well, I mean, don't tease me about but, that. Right after Ready or Not and and Mayhem, I mean, could, I know, but now you've invoked the name the Sarah the Samara Weaving, and I'm you're, you're just in a puddle on the floor now. Yeah, okay, yeah, I love her so much. But a, a Mayhem is just so bizarre, and all the stuff she does with staple guns, <laughs> whatever. It's like you have, have you seen Have you seen Guns Akimbo? Yes, I have. It's bizarre and amazing and wonderful. She's great in that, too. Where is she? What is she doing right now? I haven't seen her in a hot minute. She was everywhere for like two years. She was in like that um, Snake Eyes movie. Oh. Yeah, that's right. The G.I. Joe, she was Scarlet. Didn't she play like Lady Jane or no, something like Scarlet. that? Scarlet. Scarlet, that's it. Lady Jane. The hell am I but talking that's about? That's the Lady Jane, G.I. Joe. Yeah. yeah. Is there? Yeah, she was hooked yeah. up with Falcon. Yes. No, Lieutenant man, Falcon. It's been, it's, it's been a while. My My only real exposure to G.I. Joe's is the action figures I had as a kid and the original <laughs> animated movie and the, the PSAs that have been redubbed. Those are hilarious. Every time my brother says something, it's like, now, you know, knowing is half the battle. battle. <laughs> oh, See, man. I'm the old guy. All right. For me, G.I. Joe was actually the size of a Barbie doll. Oh yeah. It's tw- I had 12 inch tall G.I. Joe with the outfits and yeah. Yeah. Do you have the kung I fu the grip? Off of them. You have the kung fu grip. Yep. And the summer in the the wetsuit GI Joe. Nice. I had all of them. Yeah. Scuba Steve. Scuba yeah. <laughs> Scuba Steve. <laughs> now I had I had oh. I had an original GI Joe. Look, we're, we're vamping, but I don't care. I've also had too much to drink. Um. There was a. I got there, a GI Joe story for there you. There was a there was a, an action figure in the sixties called Captain Action. <laughs> and and they actually made a comic about him, but it was from Ideal Toys, and he was a regular superhero with a, like a sea captain's hat. You could buy real superhero outfits like Captain America, Superman, Batman to put him in. Yeah, and so I bought a bunch of those. My mom, who is very very handy with such things, she made me outfits. She crocheted an Iron Man armor for me, for instance, <laughs> which I had. But then I bought a GI. Oh, that must have been hot. Oh, I, I I bought a GI Joe, for instance, because you needed another figure, and so I bought a couple of those. One became the Submariner. One I painted green. And he was the Hulk, so he could fight Iron Man and, and Captain America. <laughs> That's amazing. Sadly, I don't have any of that anymore. If I had some of those, I I'd be rich. But you know, actually, I'm not painted green, probably. But you know. So if you want to peek into my childhood, I'll tell you something that's cool. Cool. Uh, As a child, I pulled a Sid from Toy Story on some G.I. Joe's. So if you remember G.I. Joe's, they had all those like points of articulation, but in their, in their waist, in their spine, you could, kind of pull them up and pull them apart by the waist and they had those black rubber bands Ah, those two little rubber bands you could you could twist them up a few times and then let them go and they could do these like like zangief lariat moves but 
as if that wasn't bad enough because they always came back to their original position. I was always very impressed. Mostly always. I'm thinking you're going somewhere, Steve. I had to take it one step further that I used to take my G.I. Joes and I would play with them in the kitchen. And part of what I would do was I would kick them off of like the microwave or off the stove or something into like a Tupperware filled with water. And then Cobra would put it in the freezer (laughs) and freeze them up. And I would go up to my roof of my house on Harrison Avenue and hurl the Tupperware off of the roof. Yes, oh. and they would smash apart in the ice. <laughs> it's it's Captain America, the first Avenger, Steve. You were you didn't yeah. even know it yet, but you were doing a movie. I'm telling you, a lot of them more more than ever got damaged. They all survived. Like they didn't like a lot of them didn't break apart. Those things, as flimsy as they were, were surprisingly sturdy. <laughs> I never thought That's of doing something. that with it. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with your word. It'd be great when, like, you'd put a few in there, and so they would kind of – some of them would float to the top depending on what they were wearing, and you would see, like, hands or a forearm sticking out of the ice when they would come out. I feel less bad about painting mine green and making them the Hulk than I do about throwing them off the roof, so thanks. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> moving on to the next story. Uh Actor Bruce Campbell to write DC Horror Presents Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. Yes, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so this is coming out. Uh, the series is by Campbell with art by uh, comics legend Eduardo Riso. Yeah. 100 Bullets. Yeah. It's coming out yeah. in September. I, I'm down for this. I, I love Sergeant Rock. I like zombies. Let's go. <laughs> It says here in the case, I'm reading this off of uh, AIPT. Uh, in the case of the new DC horror series, he's fighting resurrected dead Nazi soldiers. Groovy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Six issue series that starts on September 27th uh, takes place in Berlin, 1944. Nazis are flanked on all fronts by the combined Allied forces. Uh, and defeat seems inevitable in the last-ditch effort to turn the tide of the war. Hitler and his team of evil scientists create a serum that resurrects their dead soldiers, creating an army of the dead even stronger than they were in life. And it's up to Sergeant Rock and the European theater, or the hero of the European theater, and his easy company to uh, dispatch the dead. We've seen a lot of Nazi zombies over the years, Dead Snow and Iron Sky, and in its own way with space Nazis. Bruce Campbell involved please win what if i told you what if i told you that there was going to be a duffel bag gore variant cover drawn by frank quitely yes i'm on board Uh, how much is that one though that's that's the i don't know there's a couple of other ones there's a francesco frank oh that's the one one. i gotta have that one now frank Uh, there's a payaguero one no you're killing me i have to buy all of these stop uh, yeah, okay, I'll stop. stop. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, cool. This, uh, this cool. sounds great. Oh, cool. the covers are down here. This is cool, man. This is a long ass article. I'm not gonna read any more of that. <laughs> um, let's move on. Marvel's Thunderbolts, they're okay. finally doing it. This, this movie has been rumored for a very, very long time. Uh, Jake, I guess, Schreier. Sounds right. Um, apologies if I'm getting that wrong. Uh, he will be directing 
And uh, they're saying that some of the characters that might show up in this are uh, Baron Zemo, uh, Yelena Belova, Mm -hmm. Ghost Taskmaster, the Abomination, U.S. Agent, and the Winter Soldier. And obviously, uh, General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. Uh, he's dead. Will be. He's dead. Well, he'll he'll be recast. Okay. I think we're so, seeing Julia yeah. Louis Dreyfus. Yeah, uh, I that's think, also I think Mal know. is now that now that the general is out of the picture. We can't have a Red Hulk unless it's somebody else. The, right. Well, there's no there's there's no confirmation of them bringing him back mm-hmm. yet. They. Who knows? They might go with with the Julia, Julia Louis Dreyfus thing. And call it, they've call been having Val from Falcon Winter Soldier and from Black Widow as part of that. The only problem I have with this is that the Thunderbolts, as a comic book, following after which which event was it again, John? I'm gonna I'm gonna. It was bl- Heroes Reborn Heroes when Reborn. they went to the pocket universe. That's the most, and I know you're gonna get to it. That's one of the best first issues ever. Yes. Because the the uh, should we spoil this, John? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, you have an issue where all the heroes have been gone, and now there are new heroes, the Thunderbolts, and they're doing all this great stuff. And you get to the last couple of pages, they're all bad guys pretending to be heroes, led by Baron Zemo. Yeah, a reveal beyond a, belief. And they're pulling a big con. Yeah, and it's you, so you good. and you can't do that here because you these are not those characters. Can you do this well? Yes. I'm really excited to do something different. And this is again for, for Marvel. Let's, let's go places. Cool. Yeah. Really cool. I'm in. It sounds like it's almost going to be like their suicide squad. Mm-hmm. Like their, yeah, that's yeah. definitely the comparison yeah. that's been dark Avengers bandied around dark Avengers. Maybe that would mm-hmm. be cool too. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool to see that this is finally happening because this this has been rumored for as long as I can remember, like going all the way back to the Winter Soldier days. So, now, J- you Jake, know, one of those. J- Jake, who is Jake Shirer here, Steve? You're the movie guy in our. Um, What's he done? Yeah, let me. I'm gonna have to look this up. I am not sure. I don't get Bucky uh, in Black... this crew, but I I can picture Bucky being the wild card. That wow, he starts to see what they're doing. mm Hmm. So it's being written by the same team that was behind Black Widow. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so, okay, as a director, uh, he has done he's well a post production a series coming out called Beef. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I think the show Kidding with um, Jim Carrey, I believe the the Jim oh, Carrey okay. drama that yeah. was going around. Well, a um, couple of music video stuff. Uh, he directed the movie Paper Towns, uh, Robot, and Frank. Oh, was was, was that, that Frank Langella? No. Yes. Um. Yes. Yeah, yes, only a couple is. of years ago. Yeah, that got very good. Very Peter good reviews. Yeah, that was two thousand five. No, two thousand twelve. Sorry. Hmm. Um, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I some Justin Bieber joints over here. Uh, something called brand oh brand new cherry flavor oh that was that uh, that was that horror series yeah. that came out in uh, twenty last year that was creepy very creepy yeah I mean kind of a relatively not a new face but certainly like this is a this is a big deal this mm-hmm. is like a breakout you know mm-hmm. ten pole Marvel film that's no joke um, they've done, they're, they've they're, done they're, pretty well at selecting those people over the years so I'm in 
Yeah, they're tapping some interesting. There's been a couple of uh, interesting people put on movies lately. There was something recently announced. Something today. Um, damn it! Hold on, I wrote the story for it. I can't remember. <laughs> still no fast, Fantastic Four director. Uh, no, not yet. Uh, Justin Lin is directing a One Punch Man movie. In case you wanna. Oh, it's okay. So Paddington Three is being directed by Dougal Wilson, who has directed music videos for LCD Sound System and Bat for Lashes, which is awesome. Um, The Bat for Lashes music video for What's a Girl to Do is one of the most haunting and outstanding music videos that I've seen. Um, I'm very excited to see what the hell he does with Paddington 3 called Paddington in Peru. (laughs) Peru? Yep, that's where he's from. The darkest Peru. One of uh, my favorite Instagrams is a guy who he yep. pastes Pan- Paddington into movies like yep. movie scenes. I Photoshop Paddington Bear into a movie until I forget day number whatever. <laughs> yeah, so one, good. And then there's an Instagram now devoted to uh, um, Captain Pike's hair. Oh, his hair oh, is awesome. Yeah. His hair is awesome. I know. It's like every day there's a different picture of his hair. He's getting more and more Elvis as we go along. Uh, it's, a, All right. it's, a, it's a side project to that upcoming movie. <laughs> Moving right, right along right or along. swinging, swinging right along, if you will. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this one. I haven't really given it much thought, so you might be hearing some live reacts to this right I've now. Got two I, words. Got, uh, I got two words. Go for it. Spider-Man no Flash grab. Yep. Yeah. The more fun stuff version <sighs> with added and extended scenes to swing into theaters in September. Okay. Uh here's how I feel about this. As somebody who went out day 1 and purchased the the 4K Blu-ray Amen. of this movie. Amen. And and for you to then turn around and tell me that there's going to be another one I almost immediately just feels a little dirty. I don't know that I will go back into the theaters. It nope. depends on how much they're adding to this. Um, but I feel it feels a little like I got taken for a ride. Yeah. I don't know. That's because I don't know, you like did. more. More is good, I guess. Like more of a of a great movie. That's that's fine. But you you can't send like some kind of a uh, like an online update to the mm-hmm. Blu-ray when people put it in their mm-hmm. machines to update them with these scenes and don't charge them another thirty four ninety nine or forty bucks yeah. Yeah. for the four K version of this one. Like, nope. Come on. Nope. I got two words. Bite me. That's my two yeah. words. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, this, I know that they do this and this is a thing that happens. I just feel like, like we just got this in our hands. Everybody can watch this now at home anytime they want. And then right after that, they're like, we're going to make more money. Got to bring it back. Like, no, (laughs) you should have, when you put that thing out on Blu-ray, this stuff should have been in there. End of story. Right. And the years, years (laughs) back, they, the, the, the old film Metropolis, the old silent movie, they restored it. Kino Lorber spent millions restoring this movie. And then they found a 16 millimeter print somewhere in Buenos Aires a year and a half later. And they, they re-released it on DVD for like $19. Here's 
Here's the extra footage. We've reinserted. We haven't fixed it because you should understand what film preservation is and how lucky we are to found a 60 millimeter print in some garage in Argentina. This is a major studio who's just holding us over the coals. Let's get some more money out of you because we're Sony and Morbius sucked. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. It sounds like, hey, we took a beating on Morbius, exactly. so we're going to put this you know back what? out there. Yeah. You know what? What if this is all some kind of elaborate plot to get back at all the people that memed Morbid Morbid time, time right. until they put right. that movie back in the theater for 85 grand with how much it must have cost for redistribution <laughs> to set up and rent all that screen time and do all the things. And then they came back and realized that they were caught with their pants they down. They're really like, you know what? <laughs> flip, George, flip the switch, release the more fun stuff version of Spider-Man. We got to make up some of this money. What if it's just Morbius clips intertwined? <laughs> well, that's, I would see that. That's, I would see that. that. That's the rumor, and I I don't believe it for a I second. I don't believe that the, for a the, the rumor. I think it's just a joke that there are people. Oh, Morbius is going to be in No Way Home. <laughs> Jared Leto shows up at the tiki bar at the end with Venom. <laughs> I don't. Oh my god! This is this is when you this is what you give people who buy the the Blu-ray. You give them the more fun version yeah. on the Blu-ray. Second disc because or whatever. Because we already yes. paid for it. Yeah. yeah. I'm saying, like, Blu-ray players, they're hooked up to the internet. They have the capability yes. of being updated. It happens all the time. S- patch me in to the stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just a, I'm, I'm an angry consumer right now. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I know they'll get me. Well, especially considering to see it. Is going to cost you fifteen dollars to walk in the door. Oh, more than and that. Pop, well, yeah, I, I'm being conservative, but then I also have to say oh, I, can... I, I, I saw the new Jurassic Park World whatever for five dollars on Sunday. <laughs> cost me more for and? popcorn and soda than it did for the, the the ticket. Did you enjoy the movie? I have thoughts. Are we are we doing thoughts of Jurassic World? Whatever the hell this is. Do you want to wait? I, I mean, I got to do it next, next week. week. You're the only one. Right, I have thoughts. Joey's Joey's seen it yeah. too. I have thoughts. Right. I'm, maybe... I'm gonna take my son this week, so I'll have to All right. next week. Yeah. You guys can you guys can have at it next week. Um, here's the thing, like. So when I go to the movies, it's Bronwyn and I both, right? So you're looking at upward of at least forty to walk through the door. Probably another 30 to 40 in snacks really? by the time you get through popcorn, candy, and and a soda water or whatever it is that we drink. And then I got a I, I bought the 4K Blu-ray. And then what? We go to the movies again and do it and again, buy it again and then rebuy. <laughs> yeah. You're talking like over yeah. 200 plus invested in Spider-Man No Way. It was a great movie, but it ain't that good. It is it is a great movie, but I mean, come on! Like, I just I, I I'm afraid that this is going to be the thing that starts it all, right? Because if everybody pays in and everybody falls Ooh. for it and it's a huge success, they're going to think, "Yo, we can do this again. Mm-hmm. We can we can save some, make sure that you save some footage." Yeah. So As opposed to the, like, I know that they're giving them away for free on a DVD or Blu-ray. Yeah. Absolutely, movies. Movies get re-released in theaters all the time, but it's usually that the movie d- did so well. It's the original movie that everyone saw. It's not whatever this is, and then repackaged 
for all the all the suckers out there like me that are ready to just pony up. James Cameron put Titanic back out, what, 15 years later in 3D. Yeah. Uh, Ridley Scott did a director's cut of Blade Runner 10 years after he did it. Having it 18 months after you you had it in the theater and six months after you had the DVD out or Blu-ray out. No. It hasn't even been that long. It hasn't even been that long. It was early this year, right, when the DVD came out? Yeah. It's been like three months. It's wild. I, you know, wild. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm old man yelling a clown right now. Thank you. Join me. That. Join me, Steve. Join me. Yeah. For everyone listening at the home, they're just side. rolling their eyes. <laughs> I'm sure people have been rolling their eyes at me a lot this episode. I'm, I'm kind of off the oh, rails. Oh, join, join me. I've been doing that for years. Don't worry. Join me. Join me. Uh, join me. Join me on July 29th because that's when the paper yes. goes are being delivered to Amazon Prime. Yes. Uh, we've not gotten, we've gotten a teaser for this where they, they show uh, the, the girls, girls, but that's, it's all we've gotten so far, but we do have a date. July 29th is mm-hmm. when the first episode or episodes, we don't know yet. Uh, Paper girls coming at you. Amazon Prime. I've read interviews with the particulars. Brian came mm-hmm. one included that there are some changes because it's television. But if anyone who loves the books is going to be thrilled to see where they go, you'll be surprised and thrilled and validated at the same time. That's what I want to hear from a creator. I'm I'm in. I love the book. Want to see it live. Yes. I, I hope the show is good. I hope that it is successful. I hope that if it is good, that people check it out and, that we we can look forward to there being much more. Uh, yes, John, do you have any thoughts? I'm just excited to see it. That's yes, yeah, it's finally here. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, haven't really like it's weird. Like they've been quietly making it for you know through the pandemic and whatnot, and it's right around the corner. July 29th is not that far away, and yeah, so. Amazon loves them, those uh, those obscure, well, not really obscure, but for them, I guess, uh, comic book stuff, because the boys got uh, renewed for a fourth season really? yep. right after the debut of their third episode. I guess they celebrated their third episode with, um, with that announcement, so that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're getting our, our Umbrella Academies coming back. We're, uh, we're eating good <laughs> in the last little while. Yeah. Ms. Marvel is here. Come on. Like all I right. said last week, it's a good time for TV. Yep. <laughs> now all I need is Gotham Knights <laughs> to get me through. I really don't go there. <laughs> look, go look, there. I have plans. I have plans to watch that with a bunch of really amazing people. Okay. And I I think that collectively, I think we're going to have fun. Well, So yeah. I can tolerate. Look, I made it through eight episodes of First Kill this past okay. weekend. All right. Like. I'm I'm primed and ready for some Gotham Knights. Steve, one one of my favorite memories of all the time we did talking comics is you and I sitting in my living room, slightly toasted, watching that Wonder Woman pilot. Oh yeah, <laughs> make the pants that. more shiny. <laughs> like really, it's on my it's on my bootleg of this thing. It's like okay, David E. Kelly, yeah, you you didn't get that one right. 
That's one of my favorite things. My other favorite things are the episodes of Beanie and Cecil and uh, the Avengers episode with the Hellfire Club that we watched. Yes. The late Dame Diana Rigg. Yep. The Hellfire Club. It comes from, John, you know this, I'm sure. I know. I, I've, I have it. I have all those DVDs. <gasps> I've seen that. Uh, oh, we got we got to talk some night. I also have um I have them all on Amazon. I got them really cheap digitally on Amazon, so I, I make my kids watch episodes. You make them? Well, they don't want to sit through a black, black and, and white, white episode TV from show, the, but I just I'm picturing a very like clockwork orange situation of no, their no, chairs, and their eyelids <laughs> yeah, peeled yeah, back. John just like dropping some uh, liquid into their eyes. <laughs> No, the Avengers uh, theme song used to be my ringtone. Wow. But then, oh. I got a, then I got a new phone. Now it's Doctor Who. So. Oh, okay. I, on my answering machine right now, it's still the Marx Brothers. But for a bit, there was an episode of the Avengers where John Steed had an answering machine. Mm-hmm. So I, I recorded him onto my machine. But no one got the joke the way they do the Marx Brothers. So I had to change it out. But oh, I, I'm impressed, John. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> All right, one last news story one la- before we no get to news story. Listener question. Done. No, I got one, one here. There's one more. Because uh, I want to know who this uh, person is. Jason Schwartzman. You don't know who is Jason going Sh- to Schwartzman is? Yeah, that's the um, um, he's uh, Rushmore. Yeah, Rushmore. And um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Right. Uh, Jason Schwartzman. Uh, tons of other movies too. To he's going to be voicing the Spot. In Spider-Man uh-huh. Across the Spider-Verse. Ah, The Spot. Very cool. Who is The Spot? The Spot is a... He almost looks like a Dalmatian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he can uh, move his hands through dimensions in his the spots. Right, so right. So his hands can reappear in his body parts. So, yeah. Oh, man. They're going to do cool things with that. I think this he... Team. Yeah, 70s Spectacular Spider-Man, I think, yeah. is where he appeared first. Yeah. That's awesome. I can't wait for that movie. They oh, keep, yeah. They keep teasing it, and it just sounds better and better. And where, I think where it's good, 20, though. 2023 or 2024? 2023. A year. Yeah, I think 2023-24. I think it's part. October 23. Yeah. So a year and change. Nope. Take whatever time you need. Just That's get all it I'm right. Say. Just get yep, it right. Just, just do what you got to do. That um, I didn't put it in here, but that... Uh, team the 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 people that helped well part of the people that helped make that movie uh they formed their own animation oh. studio after the success oh. of that and they announced oh. a brand new movie coming out uh today called the long night and um this actually comes from a comic book series um or an, an original idea from uh comic book artist cyril uh cyril pedrosa who did a bunch of stuff for Europe comics. So um, if you've ever read Hearts at Hearts at Sea, which I think Joey yes. might have talked yeah, about I, on the show years ago. Show, yes. Yeah, Hearts at Sea, The Golden Age, and uh, Portugal are three of the graphic novels that uh, they've released for Europe comics. I'm actually re- in the middle of reading a Europe comic right now. Um I might talk about it the next time I'm on the show. But uh, yeah, Jason uh, Schwartzman as the spot and the team behind Spider-Verse. They have 20 movies in in various stages of development. Based on right Spider-Verse, now. I'll see all 20. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, they. I mean, not 
it's it's like a party for them. There's a bunch of different people from a bunch of different studios uh, involved in all of this stuff. Obviously, Spider-Verse has like co-directors, co-writers, numerous producers and executive producers and stuff. Um, but those individuals, like some of them have spidered off to make their own thing. Nicely played. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, yeah, so this is what this is one of those things. Uh, the Pedrosa says the film has occupied all of my thoughts. It is a story that is both personal and political, uh, where the fantastic allows us to embody our fears and our anger, but also the best of ourselves. So it's called the long night and it's going into production in 2024. <laughs> I'll be dead so, by then. It's <laughs> don't say that. It's not the 2026 uh, it's, or 2027. I can't think that far ahead anymore. It's going to be a while, but there is, uh, they did release a teaser image uh, for some of the art, and it looks really awesome. I can send, I can send please, that to you guys. Please do, now. because I need, I need whatever hook I can grab onto at this point. Uh, maybe don't click that yet, because okay. I think it's a download so one. Yeah, download. wait till we're done. Uh, all right, Next let's um, quickly let's do a question, oh and then oh uh, we'll talk about what books we're looking forward to. So, uh, Dallas wrote in, this question is mostly for Bob, but it's also for anyone who has read Wonder Woman Earth One. What do you think of the run? Morrison and Paquette uh, stated their goal was to make modern Marston Wonder Woman comics, feminist ideology and kink included, so you feel like it was successful. I'm a big fan of the series, but I know many people aren't, and I'd love to hear your perspective. So, so I think everyone I should have, go first. Go ahead, Steve. I have only read the first volume of the Earth One Wonder Woman, and if I'm being completely honest, I don't remember it worth a damn. So I'm pretty useless for this question. Uh, I did listen to a podcast where they spoke at length about this book. Positively and or so negatively? It, I wouldn't call it positive necessarily. Okay. Um, but I, I would, I would call it fair. Oh. I would call it progressive and fair mm. uh, as far as the review goes. And um, I mean, they, they're not, that high on on Morrison, uh, they they're not always happy with their work. So um, I'm just saying, I think in not having read it and having my opinion of the book and or series be kind of recolored by this recent thing that I listened to and having it make a lot of sense for for me and me nodding along with them as I'm doing my dishes or cleaning the kitchen or whatever. Um, this is all to say that I have no opinion. Okay, so, well, so sorry. I may fix that. John? I'm trying to remember reading it. Um, I know, I, I, I guess I, I, all I can say is I, I know I read volume one. I don't think it blew me away. It wasn't, it was Morrison being Morrison. Later Morrison just doesn't seem as experimental as younger Morrison. Um, and then I thought the art was, I like, Paquette, but I can't. I'm I'm kind of like Steve. I I I I really have no opinion of Wonder Woman Earth One, so I I don't feel very one way or the other. Huh. So Bob, go to well, you. Well, well, 
Um, oh boy. Dallas, if you enjoyed the book, great. That's, you know, wonderful. I hope it drove you backwards into actually reading William Moulton Marston, Elizabeth Marston, and Harry G. Peters' Wonder Woman. Grant Morrison, whose work I, I like a lot, he does a lot of comic book archaeology. But in this case, look, there was there was an interview early on where, I, before actually, before I read this interview, let, let me backtrack. Grant Morrison, who everything counts, right? So he's going to delve into the 40s and 50s and come up with something that, that speaks to what the Marstons were trying to do with their book when they created it. Then I read an interview with him in The Hollywood Reporter that what I, I, I want to return the va-va-voom to Wonder Woman. Wait a minute. The Marstons, triple-educated psychologists, professors, whatever, were not putting va-va-voom into Wonder Woman as overtly as you did. He did his research. And he uses some of the buzzwords and the touchstones. But uh, for me, I didn't feel he delivered or grasped the subtext. He throws around words that uh, loving submission were part of the disc theory of, of, of Dr. Morrison. That's something that's still used today in hiring people in larger things. DISC theory is a psychological theory about relationships. And DISC stands for Dominance, Inducement, Submission, and Compliance. And the way that works across that sphere is how relationships kind of work. I don't think he got that. We've got a very kinky sort of Wonder Woman. Etta Candy is quoted here. You're from a paradise island of science fiction lesbians with a side of bondage. I'm in. <laughs> Gee, uh, uh, Grant, I ca- you're getting the va-va-voom, but not the subtext. To, to quote Tim Hanley, who wrote Wonder Woman Unbound, the curious history of the world's most famous heroine, quote, for Marston, bondage was about submission, not, not just sexually but in every aspect of life, it was a lifestyle, not an activity. And he used that bondage imagery as, as metaphor. He hired an artist, Harry G. Peter, in 1941, who in the early 20th century drew suffragist artwork, women in chains because they couldn't vote, because they didn't have power in our society. Yes, was Dr. Marston and perhaps his wife and perhaps Olive in their tripartite relationship that they have, were they interested in such things? Perhaps, we don't know. This speculation, yes. The thing of it was, as Hanley points out, those, Dr. Marston was possibly a fetish connoisseur. But those images in his book, to quote one of our other guests, on our, our, for me, my favorite episode, ever done, we had a Wonder Woman roundtable with Trina Robbins, who read those books in the 40s. Those images didn't 
resonate with children in the same way that people are thinking about that they must have. It was Wonder Woman finding her way past those barriers, past those bonds, those restraints. It was metaphor for what was going on and why he chose the artist he did. To have it be the va-va-voom is not what it was about. It's not what this character was intended to be about. And within this book, again, he ruins, defiles the origin of Wonder Woman. She is now once again the product of now not just a one-night stand between Hippolyta and now Hercules. It's in vitro fertilization because she grabs some of his seed. I'm trying to be nice here. Yannick Paquette, who I loved his work, he's one of the most lovely fellows I've ever spoken to. It is, the artwork here is posy. It is filled with the porn faces of Greg Land. For those who love this, I am not going to take that away from you. Go for it. You know what? It is not the Wonder Woman I think the creators of this character want it to be. It is not who I want it to be based on those things I've learned over my very many, many years reading this. Look, Etta Candy says here, well, beyond the fact that Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman actually critiques Etta Candy's body. Is that feminist? Um, I hope you're happy, Dallas. Yeah, we've gone to this. <laughs> Diana comments I'm on so her kidding. say, oh, what has man's world done, d- done to your bodies? Etta is then quoted later, you're from a paradise island of science fiction lesbians with the side of bondage? I'm in. I, I think Morrison did his research. But he did it in a surface way that doesn't respond to the most of what his work was. And the same with Paquette, whose art in the way he did it does not exactly reflect certainly Peter and the Marstons, and maybe not even what Morrison wanted to bring to this work. If you want to read Wonder Woman's Origin Retold, read Rene Deliz's Legend of Wonder Woman. That was done well, really well, with no hesitation. I can recommend that. This, for later readers, the New 52 readers, this might be Wonder Woman. For those of us who have a deeper history with the character, I I can't recommend it at all. I'm sorry, Dallas. Enjoy it as you will. I bought the first one, couldn't buy the next two. I was appalled. Sorry. It's okay. okay. Everybody gets their own. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I just wish that I could comment more, but like I said, I don't remember it at all. I remember having a very heated discussion or there being a very heated discussion about that book on the podcast when we covered it. Yes, there was. And me just kind of sitting in silence and absorbing (laughs) Uh, all the all the negative vibes but, uh, look, going right, around. As, as Tim Hanley in his book points out, Wonder Woman can be both a feminist and a fetishist. 
Dr. Marston might have been a connoisseur, and that's all great. If that's the focus of it, that becomes a problem. There you go. And there's way too many scenes of Wonder Woman doing all sorts of stuff here and not being a feminist at all, so the balance is off. Who dares? All right. Thank you, Dallas. We appreciate the question. Always. Email me. We'll, 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 we'll continue this. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. This is a long one. Let's uh, let's wrap this up. Wow, this is yes, a long it one. Is. Holy crap. For three of us. Um, <laughs> and if I, if I put all of that extra stuff at the end... It's gonna be, uh, yeah, folks. By the way, if you're if you're listening, there's gonna be a hefty after credits uh, sequence or sequences <laughs> at the end of this. If you want to stick around after the music plays, uh, I'm gonna try to slice up a few bits from the 20 minute conversation we had earlier before we actually started recording the show. Uh, so just a heads up on that. All right, Bob, what books are you picking up this week? Oh, I am getting Captain America, the Sentinel of Liberty, Gwenverse, number three, FF44, Wonder Woman 788, and Batgirls, number seven. All right, John, how about you? Uh, I am picking up the DC Pride Tim Drake special. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am Batman, number 10. Superman, mm-hmm. Son of Kal-El, number 12. Uh, Radiant Black, number 15. Uh, Captain America, Sentinel Liberty, 1. Uh, Fantastic Four, number 44. Wolverine, number 22. X-Men Red, number 3. And Daniel Warren Johnson's new one, Do a Powerbomb, number Ooh. 1. Ah, you got to it before I could. Ah. <laughs> ah. Uh, what's the deal with that Captain America? Uh, who's on that book? Uh, Jackson Lansing, and it's it, this is the um the Steve, Steve Rogers, Rogers one. version, yeah. So, RB Silva and um, guy I can't think of the writer's name are doing the, the Falcon one, right? That's the yeah. one that I, I really enjoyed yeah. that first yeah. issue. So, this is like the companion one with Steve. Oh boy, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting uh, Batgirl number seven. I am Batman ten. Jurassic League number two. Uh, Superman Son of Kal El number twelve. The Tim Drake special. Fantastic Four number forty four. Yes, coming out. Yeah. Uh, Hulkling and Wiccan number one. Do a power bomb number one. Eight billion genies number two. Grim number two. House of Slaughter number seven. Radiant Black number 15 and Slumber number four. Those are my books for this week. Man, Whew. this is a big episode. Does anybody have anything that they want to say? I've got about two hours. Do you have two hours for me to? <laughs> Not tonight. Okay. Then I won't. Not tonight. Uh, I will say that uh, in case you missed it, there is a new episode of Thirsty on Tune on the main feed, which is this one. Uh, and it was for the Life Outside the Circle uh, webtoon comic. That is Bronwyn and Chris. Goes to some interesting places, this episode. As usual, lots of laughs, but also uh, some, some introspection oh. going on. And uh, they both have got a lot of 
really cool episodes planned for the next little while. A few creators uh, that are coming through for some interview episodes. Some of them have already been recorded. Uh, of course, I get to hear about everything and sometimes hear everything uh, living in the same house <laughs> as Bronwyn. And uh, it's just, it's a, it's a good time. Even if you're, even if you're not on Webtoon, uh, go and check it out because it is a, it is a rock solid show. Very funny, very intelligent. And uh, we invite you to go and listen. It's a lot of fun. And I think that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. Like I said, uh, I will not be here next Uh. week. But the plan is, uh, I think so far, to have everyone on the show. And I believe Carolyn uh, is joining us. And we already have a couple of like talking points and key conversations that we've been saving uh, from other episodes kind of trying to feel out each week and see who's going to be around for what, uh, whether we save conversations or questions for other shows. Are we doing that X-Men question next week? I think you guys, I think I might send you guys my list okay. and, and you can have at it because we've held on to it for long enough. There's a whole uh, other in decade the of X-Men at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, we might have to just, I don't know. Well, we, we, yeah, we can we'll, talk about we'll, it off air, but anyway, anyway, um, I'll probably just send a list and you guys can read mine. Um, as always, you can send your comments or questions through our email podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. Uh, some people are sending stuff to the other uh, address that Joey has, which I think is interesting, or maybe Bobby has it. I don't know. Uh, every now and again, a question or a comment will come through from another email. And I'm like, where did we get this? Uh, we are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. Bob, where can our listeners find Old you? Old-fashioned email. Bob Ryer, TalkingComicBooks.com. John? At John P. Burkle. Uh, Joey is at Joey Bricino on the internet. And Aaron is at Aaron J. Amos. I am at Dead underscore Anchorus on Twitter and Instagram. So for Bob... Huzzah! We're done. For John... That was a long one. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, for me, thank you so much for listening. Be excellent to each other. And until next time on the Talking Comics Podcast, to be continued. idea three amigos that is an under- talking re- movies this are we going fun. back to talking movies no 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 the i think we'll have to call samurai. it something else but i i i, I want to do it we'll need to, to figure that out well I, I've, right, got, I've got one we can talk about i just bought it for six dollars oh. to fill up an amazon order what you get and it falls wow. into our superhero thing it's a treasure barbed wire all right oh yeah. the remake of casablanca that no one knows about <laughs> it is. It's, it's it's a remake of Casablanca. I believe you. I <laughs> well, okay. Pamela Anderson runs a bar, and there are Nazi-like people around, and she has to she has to f- uh, ferry two people 
through the Nazis with special passes. No. No, or or wearing thigh boots and shooting guns at everyone. Yes, you're absolutely right. But I was sitting at home sick one day and watching this and went, this is fracking Casablanca. Oh, my God. And so you, know, you, you get to $19 on an order. Was it's it like, right? it wasn't I could right. spend $6 John Landis. and get free shipping and get something for nothing. Yeah, it's John Landis. And I was just, no, I don't know because I'll, sp- I'll spend way too much money. If I do it this way, I have a wish list and move mm-hmm. things through. And this was just, it was in my yeah. recommends so because Hartman I looked at the, the Vampirella yeah. movie. The TV movie. Has anyone ever seen that? Yeah. It was before the they Vamp- went on Vampirella. SNL. Yeah, it was a Vampirella no. TV movie back in the 90s. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's really bad. So I had looked at that at one point. It goes for like a hundred bucks now because it's out of print. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's terrible. There's no reason to watch it, but because I had looked at that, all of a sudden, like a barbed wire came up. Oh, look, six ninety nine for a Blu ray. Eighty six, nineteen eighty six. Oh, wait a minute, yeah. Silk Stockings, Blue. volume you just three. Said the Christmas vacation. You just said the magic word. You said Blu ray. Do you are you yeah, rocking a like Blu ray player now? Oh yeah. <gasps> oh yeah. When uh, when did you, you start watch watching Blu-rays? I bought a Blu-ray probably two and a half years ago at Christmas. Oh, and God. what it was? Oh, I'm not saying, it but, was but Black Friday at Best that Buy show. He made. And I have a Sony Blu-ray player that cost me fifty bucks. The first, the first three seasons, and I bought oh, Captain Marvel an and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse on yeah, Blu-ray that's why for he like only five bucks a piece. Of SNL. And Whoa. and the player sat in a box under my couch. Yeah, Until I went like into week. COVID quarantine last year yeah. and hooked up the TV Ed and Dawn bought for me. And then Jess and Dan came over and, and got me all <laughs> set up. This this is a big deal. Is it? This <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that is awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Every time that lives. you talk about something, it's either VHS, Laserdisc, or DVD. Well, that, that's, so when you said Blu-ray, Blu-ray. It was like, my yeah. brain was like, what? Well, the, the thing of it was for me with Blu-ray, having worked this. at 112 Video. I like that one. <laughs> DVD was not yet a mature format. Uh, he did and like the a studios because it was Harold Ramis. Didn't do anybody any great favors by moving to something mm-hmm. else that was, look, it's 20% better. Oh, yeah. Was it enough to replace your entire collection? No. Was it good that salesmen in electronic stores told people that, oh, your you know, your DVDs won't play in this Blu-ray player? Yes, they will. Uh, it, it, oh, my God. It, it, right. It, but it, to some people who don't think of these things, it destroyed a whole marketplace. Uh, look, I, I could go on for hours on this, but, but here's the thing. I was the first person in my sphere of influence to buy a VHS recorder. 1980, 1981, uh-huh. when blank tapes were 24 bucks. The one I, used I know, to this is a get off my lawn moment. Okay, like but I, I, here, no. here we are. Like, and uh, Charles yeah. Gray. I had a, when I was a bought one. my first CD player, oh. I had to go to Bloomingdale's and pay $400 yeah. for it. Ooh, Spies like yeah. us. 85? This is like eighty four uh, or so. Yeah. 
I had a Laserdisc player in 81, 82. Funny Farm, 88. Had a Funny 400 Farm. line of resolution monitor in my living room. I love Funny in Farm. Yellow Dog. dog. 83, 84. Had a digital Laserdisc player at that point. Oh, yeah. And I still have when we a landline and still have a rotary phone. Think of was, <laughs> so but, go uh, figure. Funny Farm. At some point, I was I was again, tech forward. That is not the case anymore. Kind of a big town to a small town. Well, you your only one option. Look, you have arrived. I've that's, arrived. That's okay. what I'm going to oh, say. God. I'm, I'm going to say that you have a Blu-ray player. That is huge. And I can and, watch and Netflix. I'm, I can watch Netflix. Oh my god! This is. And, I'm keeping all of this in. And Disney Plus. I'm good. Wow. I am. Uh, I'm gonna put all special, of this. In the show it's somehow. a special episode. Yeah, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put extra stuff at the end. Yeah. That, um, all right, let's one. do a show. 